Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. question because you youngsters can answer this one question here we go we're gonna start we're starting we're on we're we're just Just you know we're just going we're We're just gonna go okay at what point in time in society (laughs) did the enunciation of the letter t evaporate i don't because it's not my generation Hmm. it's not people in their 50s it's just it's not in what we say context? our T's. Like, if I say Martin, I say Martin. You <laughs> say Martin. 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 And my kid goes to me, my kid says something. If my kid would say Martin, he would say, oh, dad, you know, Martin. Like, who? What? Martin. A Martian? Martin. <laughs> they, they don't pronounce their T's. And that's just a thing. Nothing. And it's not even the T's. There's another letter, and I don't know what it is, but it's R. There's another. It's kind of like you like roll it into like a D. They like, don't nothing. enunciate yeah. the T's. What happened there? And when did that go bye-bye? Because I don't know. I don't know. I think I, it's always been a Pittsburgh thing. Yeah. Have you ever heard yeah, someone slack go, kinda. take this down there? Yeah. Oh, cool, Jay. Mama said, knock you out. <laughs> it might have been, yeah, it might have been the Mama one after that. I forget, but I had to convince my parents to take me and buy it. And they were like very, like my parents were very strict and they were like, we don't know about this. And because it was parental advisory, so you had to get them to buy it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just remember the, I mean, they gave me so much crap about this CD. Who's, they bought it. Oh, did they, they did. Like, they take got the, it the leaflet out and open it up and read the lyrics before they like really. They did all it of that. You. Yeah, <laughs> it was like we're gonna let you listen to this, but we're gonna torture you uh-huh. for making us buy. So then, I mean, they, you know, especially with the the quarantine and stuff like that. You know, they're retired now and everything, and it really rained on their party because they can't <laughs> go out anymore and stuff. So they've been watching a lot of TV. They've always watched a lot of TV. <laughs> But I, they were watching something the other day, and LL Cool J was the host of like a it. game show, and and he's on one of the shows. He's on uh, I don't know one oh, of the cop uh, shows. Or yeah, something. NCIS or something like that. Or oh wait, yeah, yeah it's or is it? I catch. Yeah, I think it's NCIS. Thank you. I right. catch them watching so much stuff that he's in, and during Christmas they're watching this Lifetime movie, and it's like him and Queen Latifah. <laughs> and my dad's sitting there watching it by himself, like oh, and, you know, <laughs> like it's totally cool. Yeah, and I was like. <laughs> You know what? I hate to bring up old. I hate to bring up old shit. But remember, I've been holding on to this. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk. Right. All right. I wasn't going to say it, but I, so I have to tell you the story. And I'm sure if I repeated it to you once, I apologize. I don't That's think okay. you heard it. Probably not. Because I've only been here one time. <laughs> I've I think been he's here. a little jealous. I've been here a few more. <laughs> uh, talk about She's par- a smart choice. Talk about parents. Uh, that's yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> Check my ratings next week. <laughs> uh, oh, we're not going to get through this, are we? Um, so your dad's watching LL Cool J and, and giving you, years earlier, giving you grief about buying that stuff. My whole childhood was spent hiding Kiss memorabilia from my parents. My dad, <laughs> Literally? My, my, yes. My, oh. my father came into my bedroom. I remember this as pure as day. This is the story. I'm at a little desk by the door there. He opens the door. He looks around, sees Aerosmith and spooky rush photos, and there's this big kiss picture right above my desk. 
He grabs the poster. I remember the poster. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a good one. He grabs it. <laughs> he's got it in a hand. He says, these assholes are not going to help you get a goddamn job. <laughs> and I, I guess my, my grades had just come in, I guess, and, you know. That's not bad. They were, yeah. and I just like looked at him. I was probably laughing, but I gave the look of being upset. And he crumpled and he threw it down in the middle of the room and walked away. And I promptly mm-hmm. just shut the door and probably taped it back up there again. But <laughs> fast forward, 2006, and I had just signed this deal with Washburn to commission Paul Stanley guitars, and it was going to yield big money. And I had more the next year planned, and all these grandiose plans. I'm already doing all this cool shit in my world anyways. I called my dad on the phone. I was about to say. <laughs> you got to let him know. Hey, dad. How you doing? It's your son. <laughs> I told him, I said, remember that time? And of course, he wouldn't remember, right? He didn't remember. I said, well, you pulled my plan. I just ordered yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. And I guess what? I think I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage for a couple of years off of this one thing. <laughs> To that guy with the funny makeup and the long hair and the platform boots. Yeah, he like, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, think of all the other stuff, all the other good advice I gave you that came true. And he was right. He was right. It's in the end. true. But, but I let him have it. Plus, it what? One in a million shot to get what him, were right? The, right, right. right? What were the odds of that coming true? One in a million yeah, shot. Right. One in a couple hundred. And that's what his whole argument was like. <laughs> he thought he was making a really solid statement. Yeah, but well, you, at the time you was. were wise to capitalize on that. Yeah, agreed. yes, I was. I was, and I didn't. Mm, I had all the paperwork and the signing. <laughs> Dad, oh, yeah, that's it's a good your one. Son. <laughs> <laughs> you're like looking at the contract while you're on. <laughs> oh, they hated that shit. They hated any kind of rock and roll. Just scared the hell out of my parents. I had a Catholic mother with the. She had the. Um, uh, love your mom. But she was uh, the charismatic arm of the church. It was charismatic. My uh, grandparents were in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking in tongues. I remember, yeah, I remember uh-huh. like, you know, being like 12. Yeah, and sneak, can't find my mom. Probably wanted to borrow... I probably wanted to borrow five or ten off of her. But I, I snuck down. I ran down from my house down to the church. And in the basement of the church, they're all sitting in a semicircle, you know, with the lights low and candles lit. And they're holding hands, talking in tongues. Like, these are, like, other women that are, like, moms of other kids I knew freak me the fuck out like what is this yeah. like horrifying i'm still scarred as you can tell <laughs> we can tell yeah. you can tell right it's obvious yeah so yeah just you so know. you saw that and then you're like but kiss scares you mom <laughs> like, yeah. pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. Like, and black there. sabbath and it's funny because black sabbath was off limits too and ozzy osbourne guy he's a devil worshiper you know they're all the and I'm saying to myself, but you're like holding a goddamn seance in the, in the, in the basement of St. Joseph's <laughs> yeah. Church. It's all about context. <laughs> context. It's all about context. It's all about context. Well, I swear, because that's like my mom like had really Catholic parents, and so she never forced like religion on me, which was really nice. But then when I got into Manson, like I was telling you guys, like that was like she Horrifying. was sure mm. that 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 was the devil worship stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she was pretty much cool with everything else, but it was like that was the one thing that like crossed her boundary. Yeah, that I mean, was, can you blame her though? No, exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, yeah, there was like that whole movement that he was like the anti-Christ. Yeah. Like people were anti-Christ superstar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He kind of. Said I it feel right like back. he broke our parents in for like a like pretty much yeah. everything though. Because now at this point, I feel like my kids like, what could they show me that I'm gonna be like, well, that's like scarier than what I brought home music wise yes. anyway. Yeah. I look he, at that stuff as just being so like the stuff I listened to. Like early Kiss was so tame compared to this shit that came out in the 80s, 90s. And but it was on. probably like, just more their image, like guys I, wearing makeup and yeah, leather pants yeah, and yeah, that era. I, I guess. But. My, I mean, my parents were super strict and 
like I said, when it came to like the hip hop stuff, I think they were a little bit more scared because it was like me being a female, it was like scantily clad right. females in that. But like they were bikers, so like a lot of their friends listened to like Black Sabbath oh, and yeah. things like that. So the I parents mean, parents sound hip mm-hmm. as hell. They're they're hip. They actually yeah. are. They're what I've they're seen. much more fun than I am. But they, <laughs> I haven't met them, but I see them on your social media posts, and I always you think don't they like them kissing cool. in front of you though. That I no. get the vibe of that, and they yeah. love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have too much time on their hands right now because, like I said, they're retired. They don't go anywhere because they're scared of the COVID. They're just yeah. like, do they just like Facetime you and start making out? <laughs> <laughs> we should totally now do they're that going to. Our kids. to. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad about that. But now yeah, but like to. I mean, I remember being really young, like. 13, 14, 15, and being like, can me and my friend go to OzFest? Will you drive one way? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that her was, parents that will drive Jerry's us the other mom. way. Jerry's mom would drive us to any concert. She was always yeah. cool about that. Yeah, she was pretty hip. Yeah. Which I think, like, if I... That would be more what would worry me if I dropped my preteen off at this concert. Like, there was, like, metal <laughs> kids everywhere and metal adults everywhere and God knows what. But they were, they were like... Mm, how bad could it be? Your your <laughs> uncle listens to Black Sabbath. It can't be that bad. Well, now so. it's all gone full circle for me. It's terrible. Like so, once this happened in this like in two thousand and six, and I started working with the guy, and then my mother would be calling me like random times during the week. Oh, honey, I was watching VH1. Did you? Paul Stanley's on there. He's singing a song. Did you know? I I watched the the Kiss nineteen eighty four live concert. It was on VH1, and I'm going now. I'm getting the reverse. Like mom. I get it. Even I don't want to watch that old shit anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, if your parents dig it, it's no longer cool. Right. Yeah. What was this when I was thirteen? I wanted to go yeah, to a concert. Exactly right, <laughs> man. Exactly right. Yeah. What was what was your first concert? First? Oh, I don't know. It probably wasn't anything super hit. I was a big Hanson fan. I think I went to that. <laughs> yeah, I was she really actually made that. I give you yeah. credit for that. Yeah, that's, I definitely that's give right. you props but, for yeah, that. Yeah. But I probably, around the same time, I probably did, go, did start going to like the Ozfest, the X-Fest. Okay. Uh, I think the first Warp Tour I went to was at the Icy Light Amphitheater. Yeah, yeah. It was like a long time ago. So I was pretty young when I started going to all those like festival. Yeah, I remember the first one though. Probably Hanson. You said <laughs> really it. <handsome. laughs> we're, we're all just going to think that's we're what it is now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that might have been. Okay. You? Yeah. It was actually Aerosmith. My mom was cool. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like that she liked cool. Bon Jovi and Aerosmith. Well, that didn't make her cool. My mother. Aerosmith makes her cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she had like these. Like the late '80s, early '90s, like rock mags. Oh yeah, I'll go in there and just see. Yes, all circus. kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, circus. And just see these guys with these sleeves and demons like swallowing their nice. hands and shit. And I would just look at it as a kid like this is the craziest Iron shit I've Maiden ever seen. Priest. I I bought an Iron Maiden album way before I was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> just I've never heard it put that way. That's great. Just because I saw the cover and I was like, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, live after death. It's where he's getting Eddie's getting hit in the. <laughs> Right in the forehead with the lightning, yeah. and it's striking his shackles. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and I, I put it. this shit on. It's like seven minute tracks. I was like, "What the fuck is it?" <laughs> so I put it away for a while, but then I rediscovered it. You weren't I got, ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Weren't quite ready. I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But my first concert was Aerosmith, and uh, I do. It was uh, the opener. 
Skid Row. Run DMC. Skid Row. No, I remember because I've heard this story before. It was Skid Row, and they were so loud. I mean, they must have brought Civic their Arena? Own. What's that? Civic Arena? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. it was. Yeah, they were so loud. So loud, my, my made my stomach hurt, and I wanted to go home. And my mom was just like, <laughs> "You're here." Well, that's Suck not happening. <laughs> we already paid for Your mom tickets. said that. That's great. She didn't say it like that, but, but looking back, like so she had the, <laughs> she did. She she put it in a mom way. Like I took you to this concert, and there's no fucking way that's happening. <laughs> like, well, you know, sweetie, it's just really loud. Why don't you? I don't know. <laughs> Suck it up and deal with it. Said some kind of mom thing. Right. Just that's let me know great. that this is the oh, way it is, and great. we're staying for the night. Yeah. And then. Bon Jovi came on, and of course he wasn't as loud or as abrasive, and you know I was ready for that. <laughs> I wasn't ready for Skid Row either. Yeah, oh, so that so would have cute. been. No oh, wait, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith. Aerosmith wait a second, yeah. what the hell did I say? Is it Bon Jovi? Aerosmith He's, was my first concert. Okay, yeah. and they and it was it Skid Row that opened for them, or was it Bon Jovi? No, it was Skid Row. Yeah, because Bon Jovi probably had hit by then by the time they made a comeback. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was an Aerosmith concert. And Skid Row. I just well. remember Skid Row because I remember you telling me that it made your stomach hurt because it was so loud. It was loud. Really? <laughs> at the, you mean at the arena? It was so loud it made your stomach hurt? It was really I mean, loud. he at was like arena? eight probably. I was young. I was, yeah, I was probably like nine years yeah. old. Yeah, okay. his, his mom Maybe was like... Maybe it was Bon Jovi. Maybe I'm screwing my own story up. I don't know. I just remember the opener. Yeah. <laughs> It might have been Bon Jovi. I don't really know. <laughs> no, this is perfect because we have Jerry's uh, Christmas tree from call when he mom. was a kid. And I'm going to text my mom. She'll know. So he's sitting there on the couch this year, and we've had this Christmas tree since, like, we were, like, in our early 20s. Okay. And we're sitting there, and he's looking at it from the couch. He's like, oh, he's like, I love our trees. Like, it reminds me of the tree I had growing up. I looked at him, I'm like, that is the tree you had growing <laughs> up. And you know it because, like, his mom gave it to that us. That reminds me of the tree I had when I was a kid. She's like, All that the is the tree you had when you were a kid. <laughs> Felt like a jackass. Oh, no. Did you have a nativity scene? I ask I ask this question because every yeah. time I ask people that they look at me like sideways. Like no, I have one. Yeah, yeah we you have, have one. one. That's not yeah. like a, a rare thing. That's a no. thing, right? Yeah, I yeah. painted. I painted mine. Yeah, yeah. like you it's know, ceramic. Like, like the cows. There's like the yeah. cows and then the, the hay and yeah. the. My mom gave like me like the, the starter with, like, of it. The so it's like things. yeah, she's yeah. like she gave me the first few pieces. It's Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and then the angel, and then the um the guy holding the lamb. <laughs> was it around his neck like his one guy yeah, around 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 he's fireman yeah. scary the shepherd, yeah. Yeah, the shepherd. <laughs> there you go the shepherd the yeah. shepherd and then like my, my three kings are uh, oriental men these uh, <laughs> yeah, really tall they're Persians like yeah they're something I don't know they came from some antique store that my mom gave them to me but anyway yeah so I definitely have a nativity scene I had uh, see the, the I had two of them and the one I had they were the th the three kings were kind of stout and one of them looked just like Chef on South Park. I swear <laughs> to God, I did the Chef oh my on God. South Park. <laughs> it was Bon Jovi. Okay, Bon Jovi. Bon there Jovi. we go. Thanks, Wait, thanks Debbie. Bon, <laughs> bon Jovi opened for no, no, no. It was Skid Row, Skid Row was opening for Bon That's Jovi, right. and okay. I must have been young because Aerosmith came later, and that was in sixth grade. So I must have been like ten, nine or ten. <laughs> so that, so I'm guessing the show you went to was in '88. Is that right? Maybe. He would have been about. Well, I won't give away your age. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just I don't care. So you guys are fighting about revealing ages. I'm all good with that. I'm just kidding. He would have been six. Because <laughs> I would have been the same age. I don't think. I might have been that young. I remember being young. Yeah. When loud noises yeah. hurt your stomach, you're pretty you're young. You're usually pretty young. Yeah, I was young. Yeah. Mm, so I didn't long. go to a concert until I was like 13. And what, and what, what show was that? Bush, Goo Goo Dolls, and No Doubt. <laughs> Goo Goo Very oh, 90s. Man, you're so much cooler than I'm all of so us. I'm so 90s. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. It 
was Man. Uh, all you, you need is the meat puppets in there. Alternative <laughs> 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 rock to a T. But do you know what? Who I need w- the blowfish. I wanted the to go to um, Grateful Dead the year before. And my Can dad that quali- does that qualify as a concert though? I don't well here's the thing is that my dad wouldn't let me go. She's he, still resentful. And She's no, hanging I'm, on to I've, this. I've told this story a lot. So oh. my dad wouldn't let me go and he goes, Julie, he's like Jerry Garcia will be around forever. You can go see them another time. I'm not having you go in. It's a Grateful Dead. I think I must have been twelve at the time. Twelve years old. Everyone's smoking pot. Don't you know? Like two months, they three months later. Three months later, he died. Jerry Garcia oh. died like, that year, I, and I just cried and cried. Oh, Missed okay. opportunities. Yeah, I know. I am so resentful about it. I know. I remember parading <laughs> around my office when that happened, and I, I, I'm not proud of this, but I was laughing and saying, "I'm grateful they're dead." Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> finally, oh, oh my god! I've waited, I've waited so long for this day. Savage. <laughs> just, savage. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they had some good tunes. There's just nothing they about spread that. A lot that of touch joy. of gray. Yeah, they did. Listen, if, if a band resonates with a group of people like that, I'm all for it. I just don't want to be one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> it never really That's resonated cool. with me. I see why people like it. It's feel good music. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? People put that shit on and get high and just. Yeah. People put that shit yeah, on. Yeah, how many of the people really saw the show exactly. when they went? Because. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. The higher you get, everything gets better. Oh my god! My dad had this bumper sticker on our refrigerator that said, "Who are the Grateful Dead and why do they keep following me?" And I like never got it until I was older because it was good. like I was like growing up seeing this like every day, and then being like finally like, oh now I get it. Yeah. I took acid because of the Grateful Dead, but I, and I How wanted to take, but I wanted that? to take acid just to escape it. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told. <laughs> I want to take acid to be cool like Roger Daltrey. This is what I, I was told. See, you take acid, you can be cool like Roger Daltrey. But the acid, <laughs> the acid, the acid came from a Grateful Dead fan. <laughs> so, and when it didn't work initially, I blamed it on the Grateful Dead. Until the next day, I wake up in my buddy's in my events. buddy's bathtub, fully clothed with the water piling down on my chest. Yeah, I think it might have worked. We're dredging up all kind of early childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. But that's what we do here, right? I this know. is therapy. Yeah. But you know what I'm thinking about is go, <laughs> around, around, go around. We might need therapy after we're no, wait, done. Go <laughs> around full circle <laughs> to the Marilyn Manson concert, and we were doing Jerry Garcia acid there. That's right. Boom. Yeah. Oh, full circle. Man. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. It was wild. It, it had like the um, the Grateful Dead skeleton on it. That like that was what the picture on the sheet was, and that's why they oh, called him Jerry yeah. Garcia's. Well, I don't know, like we a had piece like of a lined paper. We had a quarter sheet of it. <laughs> did you guys ever it. see the with the movie Party Monster with mm-hmm. like Macaulay Culkin and there yeah, was a know, bunch. I think I I've did heard see of that. it, but I, I've never. And seen Marilyn it, Manson played Christina. She was like he was oh, like. No. Uh, I, I don't know. It was all about like these club kids. It was a true story because it was about a murder or I think something. I heard about. Oh this. wow! Yeah, okay. it was. A, yeah, this sounds familiar. Yeah, and it was like uh, Seth Green and everything. But anyway, Marilyn, that's what it reminds me of because Marilyn Manson played Christina. And uh, <laughs> should I ask? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, should I ask? <laughs> In one scene, he comes up and he's driving this big, like Mack truck. And they open up the back and there's like a party, like a rave going on in the back. (laughs) And they're like, Christina, you're driving this truck. And here she like opens up her mouth and here she has like acid on her tongue. And I forget what, I forget what the picture was, but that's what it reminds me of. You're saying you're at Marilyn Manson and like the the picture that's on the paper. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's, 
Now I'm going to want to watch that movie. It's based <laughs> on a true story, but it's a it's a goofy movie. I mean, I forget, there was a lot of people that were it's in it, It's got Macaulay too. Culkin in it. Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> Wilmer Valderrama. Hmm. Uh, but they all played like these club kids. Like they got dressed yeah. up. And, yeah, yeah. Rave scene. Kind that of was a thing scene. in the 90s. You guys lived the rave scene, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> Live to tell the tale. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. You know how there's always these kids that's like, oh, it's not about the drugs, it's about the music. We were like, no, it's, <laughs> it's about, about the drugs. drugs. <laughs> Music's if, cool, but if you you're wouldn't... in a warehouse on a dirt, like dirty floor, slithering around in yeah. cigarette butts and whatever this is else. A true story. Then I was on. It's like, about the drugs a little bit. I was on a shitload of ecstasy. <laughs> And I'm on the floor. It's a dirty floor of cigarette butts and shit. It was at the Irish Center. Yeah. Totally way past capacity. Oh, yeah. And I'm just slithering around on the floor. <laughs> he's, like, gripped onto my leg. Like I was, like, sitting up, and he's, like, sitting or, like, laying, like, on the side of my leg, just, like, slithered around my leg. And people just kept walking by and, like, looking at us. I'm like, it's cool. Oh, you two were the scene. That had to be a scene. Right. That had to be the scene. Oh, uh, we've made many scenes. <laughs> True story. <laughs> No, the best part was is like I remember our friend was driving and she was driving this like little tiny Saturn and it was like her first year driving. She probably was only sixteen, and we're driving home in like this one of the biggest snowstorm. Fucking snowstorm. There was lo- no one like it was all fresh snow on two seventy nine coming home from like town, and we're going to like Westview. At, like, four in the morning. Probably four or five, something like that. And there's four of us: as me and her and her boyfriend at the time, and me and Jerry. Oh my gosh! And it was just she's driving probably like five miles an hour. I got a ticket. Fucked up. It's a speeding ticket. It wasn't going fast enough. And I just like I can't even believe that we got home. I don't know how that car made it home. Like in that much snow, there was no one else on the road. Like there was no. It was not plowed. It was not salted. And we were all so fucked up. Just flew home. We flew it down. We came in and we were with our friend Andy. And I was like, well, do you guys want to go sit on the stage over there? Because it was just people everywhere. And he looks, he goes, that's one big screaming orgy over there. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was pretty much the whole club or the whole warehouse, wherever it was. I remember I was in the men's room and there's all these chicks in there. And they're passing around this big bottle of water, just totally gooned, just out of their minds. <laughs> They were just like skins all clammy. It was like sloppier than sloppy. Yeah. 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 In the men's room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The chicks. Most of them were chicks. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I was kind of fucked up. Maybe they weren't chicks. <laughs> Maybe they're just really pretty guys. <laughs> I mean, it was the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But the skin was all clammy. I still remember what they looked like. I was like, oh, you look like shit. I probably look the same. <laughs> I know. He's probably you, looking at the fucking mirror like you. you. They thought you were pretty too. I was probably looking at the mirror like, you look awful. You should go home. <laughs> no, you remember like you would like look in the mirror when you were on ecstasy and you would think you looked so oh, good. Oh, yeah. You look like a million bucks. And then uh, you look in the mirror on ass and you're like, like I died yesterday and nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mirror just melts. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of that story for sure. Uh, oh, we're off the rip roaring start here. Uh, <laughs> so we'll continue with the theme. Uh, going this direction, greatest um, greatest concert you've ever seen. Not your friends. Oh, national yeah. act. Greatest concert experience. National act. Fair. No ass kissing. I like it. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> um... We try to please. Uh, well, since we're still talking about 
acid. No, I'm just kidding. No, I will say that that you can remember. No, I can actually. remember this one. No, we saw the we saw Nine Inch Nails on the Fragile tour, and Ooh. the opener was Perfect Circle on first on the Meridian Alms tour. Um, so Meridian Alms was the opener for Nine Inch Nails. Mm. Oh, wait, and Perfect Circle came from Tool, right? One member. One member. And then yeah. I, I feel like the other members are someone as well. Paul would know this Yeah, we're answer. terrible fans. Yeah, we're not good but fans. And then I'm Maynard's confused. also in Pussifer, too. Yeah. In what? But I think he's the only one. Pussifer. We went to... <laughs> yeah, don't ask. Okay. We went to a Nine Inch Nails concert. Perfect Circle. Make sure I heard it right. That perfect all. Circle opened like mm-hmm. when Perfect Circle first came out. It yeah. was, okay. it was yeah. exciting. It was, it was honestly just, just for like the fact that that was the last album that Nine Inch Nails did that I thought... I'm not gonna say it's the last one I liked because I have the two after and I liked both of those and okay. I know that he's done a ton since then. But that was like I, what I think is like one of their bi- most masterful, the fragile, com- yeah, comp- compos- compositions. Um, so that just that experience of seeing that concert for that tour was pretty memorable. And then also, you know, becoming a Perfect Circle fan like right at that time period and getting to see them on their very first tour and tripping my fucking face off. <laughs> 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 that helps. I do remember the concert, well, though. I will say that I just stood on the lawn with my mouth, like, touching the ground the whole time <laughs> what, because I couldn't yeah. put my shit together. <laughs> what, um, like, how far in Nine Inch Nails' career was that album? The Fragile, it was... 99? Yeah, 98, 99? <clears throat> Something was it like 99? that. Uh, it before maybe or after we graduated? Mm, maybe it was 98 because I think it was before we graduated. I think you might have been a senior. Okay. I'll or or it was the year after you graduated and the year before I graduated. 99, so, maybe 2000? Yeah, 99, 2000-ish. They were touring for the Fragile, so I guess we'll have to Google that shit. Yeah. Like I said, we're terrible fans. Did you see that <laughs> video that Trent Reznor did with David Bowie called I Hate Americans? Yes. yes. No, I'm afraid of America. I'm afraid of America. I just saw that yesterday it for the first time. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it was good. I like, like it. It's sucked into it's this. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when that came out. I remember <laughs> seeing that, that on MTV, yeah. actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty uh-huh. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my... I'm going to put that down as my favorite. Okay. Yeah. You, sir? Oh, that's a difficult question. Man, she stole a good one. I was about to say. She really did. <laughs> I know. Let me think about something that just blew my freaking head off. I'm gonna. We've been talking about the old partying days, so I'm gonna try and. I don't know if it was the favorite ever because I'm just gonna sit here. It's like when someone asks you what your yeah. favorite song well, was. That's yeah, like, that's a loaded question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we went to. I'll I'll put a spin on it if you don't mind. My my favorite recent concert like fa- okay, fair last enough. five years. Fair enough. We went to see, just like you said, don't don't say a friend's band, say a national. We went to Craft House to go see a friend's band. Okay. Wasn't uh, really like super excited. Like I was familiar <laughs> with the national, but like I, I went there to see my buddy's band, but it was Friday. They played at like six or something. Yeah. We didn't make it in time. <laughs> we, missed, we missed our, we missed our friends' just band. It's it. <laughs> like we didn't. We get definitely all that built up, and then you missed it. We missed our friends' band. The band that was headlining was um, why am I blanking non- on her name? Non-point. Yes, non-point. I knew you were going to yeah. say that. And yeah. I mean, like they've been around since. Man, they had hits when I was in high school. You know what I mean? Like right, they've been around. Right, like right, mm-hmm. right, that's like right. twenty years strong, more than you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, bullet. Yeah. Bullet with a name mm-hmm. and uh, what a day, mm-hmm. uh, but I've never really like followed them that closely. They weren't like I kind of slept on them, you know. Okay. Um, and they 
blew my freaking socks off. They yeah, were so amazing, amazing live. live. It was just like, even when you really like a band, you know, like especially when they're the headliner, you've been there all day, probably about three quarters of the way through, you're having a good time, but you're like, man, my feet hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, especially you know, now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you just like, your feet hurt, and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to be terribly sad if they don't do three, four more songs. Kind of hope they just wrap this up so I can get out of here. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe I'm getting older. No. I don't know, but... No, yeah. I know you they, mean. You could be. No, I, I hear you. The whole time there. through, I was just thoroughly transfixed. They were amazing. They were just smoking. They were so good live. They were just so good. Yeah. yeah I agree. So yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed, and they made a fan out of me. Not like I didn't like them before, but I was never that into them. And now, like, I pay attention to what they do. Whenever they right. come out with a new song, right. I was, you know, listen to right. it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not okay. big for buying albums. I don't think anybody's real huge in buying albums anymore. But that one performance, they made a fan out well, of me. Well, yeah, and it left that mm -hmm. kind of mark on yeah. me. They must have. Yep, they were amazing. Yeah, I like those. I remember too. you guys talking about that. Mm -hmm. So I knew you were going to say that. Mm -hmm. And I do she like knows my point. stories better than I do. <laughs> 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 All right, your turn. Um, well, like they said, that's really hard. When I think about how many shows I've been to. I would say, like, definitely, I think, like, anytime I've seen Tool or A Perfect Circle, that's been, like, one of those shows you leave there and you're, like, quiet on the way mm -hmm. home. Like, it's... You just it's, need to, like, like, let it sink in. Yeah, yeah. But really, I think, like, the underdog, like, I think one that people wouldn't expect is I saw Mary J. Blige one time, mm. and I mean, it was amazing. Everybody says that that sees her live. Yeah, it was. A, I Incredible. was. I mean, I was always kind of a fan, but I never had the opportunity to see her live. And she came to uh, whatever it's called now, Starlake. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, think I think it's brown full circle to Starlake again. Yeah, I, I saw Wait, an article. Really? Is it? I refuse to okay. move on. I've never called it I anything. But I don't think anyone I'm has always like really. Starlake or Peepa G or uh, Post Gazette yeah. or whatever the. Fuck. I want to say I saw an article that said <laughs> Burgess Town. Like, yeah, Burgess Town. Burgess Town. Burgess Town. Time. And when she was there, she definitely didn't. I mean, it wasn't sold out. She didn't sell many tickets. It right. wasn't. It was very intimate. But she's an amazing, very emotional performer, and mm -hmm. I definitely left there like kind of transformed. Hmm. So transformed, transformed. Like that. Word, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What's the How worst about concert? you? No, no. You're making me want to see Mary J. Blige. <laughs> I'd I'd recommend it. I don't know if she's still. That was that was years ago, but <clears throat> I don't know if it would. For me, is it, is it the best concert experience as an adult, or is it the one that left the craziest impression on me because I was young and I was just in awe? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like a tough, it's a tough decision. Either That's a or. tough decision. Uh, First time I saw a rush, I think I was mm. young, like I was seventy eight, I was twelve, and I just—you can't describe that. It's—it's it's not. I'm not saying their music is good or bad to your liking. It's just you have to understand the era. I was seventy eight. I was twelve. Yeah, we had no internet. We had WDVE. <laughs> we we had, had no internet. Magazines <laughs> that we had to find out about these bands, and we had albums that we would read, and no one. No adult really knew what our music was. They just mm. didn't know. And a band like Rush wasn't on like Don Kirshner's rock concert. It wasn't on the Paul Lynn Halloween special. It was nowhere. Mm. So sneaking to that show and then oh, you snuck it. Oh, <clears throat> even better. And going on the floor. Yeah, I had seats up top and then working my way on the floor and uh -huh. then just walking through the mass of adults. Mm -hmm. 
up close and just looking up there and they were in like these Japanese kimonos and there was smoke and there was not a lot of stage stuff but it was just they played it exactly like that that band plays exactly like the record I mean really it's real close to the record and like that's when I experienced the concept of that was my music my it wasn't my parents mm-hmm. music it wasn't like what my mom was in the Zeppelin and, and Sabbath and she was in the stuff before that but that rush thing was mine this was mine no one could take it away from me this was mine and they don't have to understand it I'm glad they don't even know I'm here <laughs> but I walked away from that in awe and the got best, a little bit of identity from I it. think so mm, I think that so makes sense but the, the best rock concert that I ever had has to be uh, I think the Paul Stanley show the solo uh, show in 06 because he played Kiss songs here was Paul Stanley singing the Kiss songs hmm. with a really good band you know, with like, a, like playing Kiss music with like people that really can play their instruments with a keyboardist, <laughs> a, you know, like mm-hmm. an amazing drummer. Because it was the band from that show, Rockstar. Supernova or Rockstar. The, it was Rockstar Supernova, and then they did an excess. Oh, I've, I always So Stanley it. stole the band off the show. Did you that say was it, an amazing it was like Kiss, house but band. good. <laughs> <laughs> Musically, yes, yes. Did you guys uh, watch yes. that? No, I'm totally lost on that one. Oh, yeah. Did you watch the show uh-huh. when it was on? Yeah. That he, house band was amazing. That's it. And Stanley mm. saw them on TV. He didn't watch shows like that. He said, <laughs> but his, his, my wife was watching it at the time, and I was like, well, uh, yeah. yeah it I'm going to take that band. <laughs> She's like, well, how are you going to take that? They're on TV. He goes, I'm taking that band. On, on road with go. me, and sure enough, like they quit the show. The show kind of oh went away God. because the band went. Yeah, because they had two seasons. They were like, "Damn him!" That, that that picture behind you, that black guitar, that's what from that that show. Uh-huh. Where he just went out there and just played Kiss songs that he wrote, but with a band that really just like you know, it was so full and so good, and his voice was still really rocking in that era it was like mm-hmm. wow that's that left me i was excited too because i was starting to make money and i was mm-hmm. starting to do stuff like, yeah. you know commercially with him but that show is just like that's the that's how kiss should have always sounded <laughs> right. the songs are solid it's just they need better yeah musicianship now you did you mean? watch that show did you watch rockstar supernova supernova or anything when it was on no i was aware of it i kind of probably breezed through it yeah maybe i, s- I still follow some of the musicians that really ju- what it was That's was cool. it was a competition show yep. so the first oh. season was in excess they were looking for a, a singer but when these singers would try out they'd try out with this house band and the house band was like amazing yeah. it was oh, kind of okay. and then the second season they made this band called supernova and it was gilby clark yeah and Jason Newstead mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Tommy Lee. Oh wow! And on both seasons, I think Dave Navarro was like co-hosting or something. Right. Like That's he exactly hosted right. it That's or exactly something. Right. Yep. So they would have these people try out to do vocals for these bands, and it was really hard not to be fixated on the house band that they would like <laughs> trying out. They would learn all these songs, like these these. Uh, they would do covers and then they'd do some originals these people that were trying out it was amazing so yeah. i i never knew what happened to them so i'm glad yeah, you told me that story on there. Ralph, Ralph <laughs> the drummer was un and believable to hear somebody and then and the show was at the palace theater in greensburg that's okay. where it was and i had a photo pass i had you know i was I, I spent a half an hour with paul beforehand talking about all the stuff we were going to do guitar wise <laughs> so now he goes yeah you, you want to take pictures just hang out in front i'm like okay well yeah i didn't want to stand in front because you know how that is there's like a space between this first row seats and but i shot some photos and i had nowhere to go 
because my I think I gave me a free s- ticket, but the, it was back a ways. Mm-hmm. I just walked to the side of the stage, and the guitar tech, Fran Stuber, ends up being a great friend of mine. He goes, hey, come on up here. So I ended up standing side stage of that show, nice. which is good and bad. It was just so powerful. Like that, that was, if I think about rock and roll shows that left a mark on me, music that I love played well and executed well, that would probably be it. I saw a lot of great shows in my day, but I mean, that was. I think mu- like concerts too, like they also like have the impact that they have based on like when you see them too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of no like doubt. whether you're like timing, at a, timing, yeah, at a pivotal point in your life, or like whether you're just like ready to hear that music in a right. different way from a different perspective or whatever. I don't know. Worst yeah, show. like certain songs like just take you back to that place in your life, especially when you haven't heard a song in like ten, fifteen years. Yeah, that you used yeah. to listen to a lot. That's the beauty of music, though, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like a it's a time job. Yeah. Well, it's time a tease, capsule. actually. For your head because it takes you back and you you feel the same feelings to mm-hmm. some degree that you were hopefully feeling at that moment but it's not really there you're not really there yeah yeah you but know. sometimes it's almost like richer if you're like coming at it from a different perspective Can like be. you're having that memory of like what it felt like to be experiencing it in that moment but then like you know maybe you're at a point in your life that you're not so broken or not so like you know because different i mean there were times i remember like some of the music that got me through like the worst times in my life I can hear them now, and it still kind of like might jog some of those memories. But like, are you detached from them? Because I feel that way. No, it, it's some of those songs that meant so much to me earlier in my life because of an emotional connection. I wouldn't say detached. Sometimes it's just the experience just feels different. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, <clears throat> like I said, maybe I'm not in so much pain, so I'm not mm-hmm. like feeling it, like you know, busting through my soul in the same way. But I, it still touches me. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I'm, and I'm hearing it in a different way. There's certain albums that I listened to while I was going through some shit. Just listen to them non-fucking-stop, and then you never want to hear them again. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's <clears> true, too. What no. was that one band? Oh, I listened to that album. Hollywood Undead. Yes. I can't remember which album it was. Oh, yeah. But I, I listened, listened to, to it that. non-stop for like a month, and then mm-hmm. I <laughs> literally... I remember that. Threw it out the car. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool, made it through that crazy shit. Bye! <laughs> I remember that very Yeah, clearly. they're another one. If you're in a bad place, they're kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you have songs to be hearing the radio right now that, although musically you know it's a good song, but you just don't want to fucking hear it under any circumstances? Yeah. Mm. Yep. Like this is going off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's plenty of bands that I can appreciate. Like, oh, they're a good band. Oh, you like them? No, I can't. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm going to put that shit on. Anyway. <laughs> right. I definitely have like bad luck songs that I'm like bad, <laughs> bad luck songs. Mm. Yeah, I guess I I kind of think of them that way, but they're just like I they put me in a different bad juju. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. I'm like if they're played, I feel like it's just I don't want to be jinxed, so I okay. turn them off. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I'm superstitious, but not like music. You're saying like if you hear a song like bad shit's gonna happen to me if I complete this song, I'm, I gotta change mm-hmm. the channel. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That is interesting. That's interesting. I've I have bad vibe songs, but I never considered. Do you know what Colleen, my and she was the friend that was driving us home from this rave that we were talking about earlier. She would only two miles an hour. Yeah, two <laughs> miles an hour. Bless, two and a half. bless yeah. her heart for getting us all home safe. Seriously. Um, she would have like this thing where she would not turn off her car at a certain point in the song like she would have to wait until there was like even if we were like getting to school and we were running late or whatever because she would drive me to me and jerry both she drove us to school every day for like a year yeah um, she'd be out there honking on me yeah to sleep. Sl- <laughs> i'm calling That's his great. mom like debbie can you please wake jerry up we're running late <laughs> um but she would like 
stop the car and she would wait to turn it off until like the song came to like a break because she felt like it was bad luck to, to just like really? cut a song off oh. at a certain spot yeah, yeah so. and she I don't know if she's still like that but I, l- the last time I can see talk- her still being like that I would that. say the last time I talked to her she was so I mean that was a couple years ago but yeah and I, she used to drive me everywhere because I didn't have a license for the longest time. Guys didn't go very fast. Didn't get very far. Huh? I, I mean, two and a half miles an hour. That was just <laughs> no, that one time. Just, normally, she was a pretty fast driver. Four, top speed four, four and a half, five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good day. yeah. Worst concert experience. National act. <laughs> Notice he said and, experience. And why? I know. Notice he said and, experience. Well, you know what I'm going to say? I, I think I looked at Jerry. How I'm like, how many concerts did Jerry ruin for me while we were uh, drunk? That's more interesting. <laughs> it probably Worst concert is. experience. If you're is comfortable. Be no, I'm much I'm, more. I've got a good one on that interesting. one. Interesting. I'll give you. Okay, worst I'll concert give you experience. The reason we stopped drinking Mad Dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to figure that one out? Uh, do you really need a reason? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Should you ever have been drinking it in the first place? Exactly. It's really, it's really God, the question. Damn, we were super young. We were like, I don't even know if we were 21 yet. Maybe 21, maybe about 20, maybe mm. 19, maybe 20, who knows? Mm. But we went to see Tool in Ohio Okay. with like three or four of our friends. And th- I don't know if this is the worst ever, but this is memorable for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, pretty bad. and I I had never seen Tool. And like literally to this day, the first time I saw Tool as an adult was just this past year or the year before, whenever they toured for their most recent album, because... Like that, no one liked. <laughs> I liked it, but anyway, so we get there and we had been drinking the whole way there, and we go in and like Jerry and I were like <laughs> so classic for this. We would just go out with our friends and fight. <laughs> just get we would of- invite people over and get into. Hey, guys, want to come over and hang out? We'd get really drunk and have knocked down, drag out like yeah. terrible. I was like, like I've married never seen, fights before we're married. I've never seen anyone but my parents fight like you guys. Like traumatized. How can they say these things to each other? <laughs> Why did I know you then? <laughs> so many people have said that, but trust me, we only have like two friends left from that time period. That's how I do anything. That's but, uh, Maybe, um, but so we we drove we drank the whole way there. I don't even remember who was driving. Maybe maybe Paul, Brian, Brian. I don't know. Anyway, I don't even remember who was there. I was fucking I, hammered. I feel like there was like six of us. Maybe we were in a minivan. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, have, all I think I we were remember, in Brian's Jeep. Maybe I, that I'd sounds reached right. out and tried to crash because it. it was like Brian, Paul, Eric, and Rossi. Is Jeff there? No. It doesn't matter. It's not important. Either way, you don't know any of these people anyway. So the point is, is that we get there and we are shit faced drunk and like somehow halfway there, Jerry and I probably started fighting. We're fighting <laughs> like from leaving the car to the arena. Um, he like kind of like shoes everybody away from us because we're all sick of being in, in the car with each other. Mostly them probably being sick of being in the car from us. Right, right, right. Um, and we all had seats together. So we're like, you know, we've all got our tickets. We're like, yeah, we'll catch up with you later. We make it like into the arena. We go do a loop. Can't get into our seats because we're still fighting with each other. And Jerry like <laughs> demands that we leave. Like he's like, I don't know. Remember you? I think you were saying he was, he was singing his own songs, like walking down the street in Ohio. I was sitting out in front of the arena, drunk <laughs> as piss, basically in the gutter, singing my shit. People are walking past. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> He may, I, I convinced our friends not to choke him out that night because their solution was they were going to, like, 
asphyxiate him until he passed out. Like do a chokehold. <laughs> Wait, you convinced them. I thought I convinced them by biting a big hole in Eric's arm. I mean, I, that was okay, pretty convincing. so I was trying to convince them not to, but Jerry convinced them to pull over. So their idea I convinced was that, them to pull over by trying to grab the wheel and crash the jeep. So they they do pull over. They like chase him down a hill because he like peels out the <laughs> fucking car like in a drunken ranch, just like running. I'm screaming at them. To we not, were in Ohio, by the way. Not, we weren't down the fucking street. No, we had we had gotten oh. back. We went to Columbus, yeah, Ohio. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were like show. far away. Yeah. Um, and then so like I'm like trying to talk them out of choking them. Like we're out of the car. They've like got. They're like no no. We'll just They've put him in a sleeper hold. He'll go unconscious. We could drive home in peace. Three of them to subdue him. So there's three guys, like literally, like holding him down because he's just like spitting and screaming. Full <laughs> on psychiatric ward, freak out. Um, and did you see the show? No. <laughs> No, no, this is the point that no. I'm making. So it wasn't the show. It was no, more, it was that I. It was. I am telling you guys as future kids these stories. By the way, I'm making all these <laughs> mental notes. Right yeah, I know. We're, we're documenting this so that someday, whenever like we're trying to convince them to not drink so much, <laughs> this is the stuff they're not we, even born yet, and we're terrified of these children. <laughs> terrified. But so they like finally like agree that maybe they won't choke him and while they're like having this discussion he bites a hole in one of his friend's hand he had his arm like an arm bar up around here bite somebody you, you bit him yeah bit him I bit him good hard real good I bit him good he's so they were strangling me to death they I was were... fucking t- I mean I deserved it but still I was like what are you have cock I don't, I don't even think it was self defense I think I was just like I'll show you you think you're clever so he convinces us to leave him at a gas station so his parents can pick him up this is mind you before GPS his parents had to just basically find a gas station <laughs> in the middle, middle of Ohio. He refused to let us stay there. I went home. No, nah, I was like, fuck you. Yeah, he basically here. like made us all I was in Ohio. I was like, leave me. Get yeah. away from me. Yeah, he made us all leave him in a gas station in Ohio. I remember, that, so one of our only friends is Jerry's bassist from that time period this that we're still friends with. This story is brought to you with. by non-alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> And I remember, like, Paul crashing at the house that night, like, oh, sleeping man. on the couch and just being like, do you think Jerry's okay? And I was like... <laughs> Did Jerry ever made it home? <laughs> I don't know, Paul. Like, I hope so. Bless my parents' heart. I know. And, like, the next day, I feel like he called me and we worked it out. <laughs> After he bit a hole in some one's arm and got left in another state yeah something like that I get the, the best though is the addicts come out of the concert I'm just like sitting on the sidewalk singing my own song like, you suck no he was getting like <laughs> like no no love from the fans you can't make that up so that's, maybe that's maybe not like my worst concert experience, but that goes up there. Oh, I, re- I really wanted to see that show. I, I think you like, told yours and mine. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. That is so good. That's so wrong. Oh man. You? I think that was. It. <laughs> that was a pretty bad night. You bit somebody. <laughs> I think he that was it. He really had to apologize for that one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was of one a conspiracy to that. choke you out that night. That's, all <laughs> that's right. It was, no, I'll tell you what happened. I got it convinced in my head that someone stole my mat. <laughs> well, it turned out later, like you are using my mat, especially lost mat. No, the worst with me was when I'd had to sober up when I was already drunk and I yeah. couldn't just get to the point where I'd pass out. <laughs> so I drank all the Mad Dog and I was convinced I think I just convinced myself of it because I was pissed off and wanted to be mad at somebody oh my I was God. like you drank my fucking Mad Dog <laughs> <It's> you <laughs> 
So I think oh, you've probably okay. told yours and mine. You, you suck. Think so? Yeah. Yeah, so I still re- I was really drunk but I still remember that. I was like that stung that hurt I don't know. I'm at a low point right now I didn't need that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that is so wrong I'm not that is kidding. so fucking wrong I'm not even saying that to be funny that's so good that's I, just so wrong I think she told mine as well because our, our friends literally like were like we like we've spent money on these tickets and oh, drove quite a all bit. the way to Columbus yeah. we had good seats Tool's too. not cheap dude no like yeah. and even yeah. back then I literally then they heard cheap. like a song and a half and I was like there I saw him and fucking walked out yeah, he was like <laughs> he was like saying fuck you to me <laughs> Poor Maynard, what did he do? <laughs> He's scarred this day. <laughs> yeah. So you that happened. Well, <laughs> Can you top that? Mine pales in comparison <laughs> to yours. I'm crying over here. <laughs> that was a good way to go because you don't have to talk shit on any band. No, you know I don't what I mean? Right. Yeah. On you. you were like, <laughs> it was it was just our <laughs> night. That, that band it did was anyways. our <laughs> night. No, I no, that was the worst performance that night. <laughs> <laughs> I still kind of like. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god! You got top uh, that. <laughs> I, I like I said, mine pales in comparison. But I think mine probably was, and we've talked about this. Is Manson that one night? Because oh, yeah. I was so yeah. Ozfest yeah. Manson two thousand two. He was yeah. not good. Yeah, Sucked he was so, so he came out on drunk. Stilts, like barely stayed on top of them. I can't believe he didn't yeah. fall off. That's the one you would slayer the next day. No, that oh. was Blink 182. Oh. <laughs> and then I went to Slayer the next day. and Also not the best concert experience right. for you. <laughs> right. Were they playing, was this Slayer show in the middle of the day? Um, It was still daylight out. I remember that. And probably, oh, yeah. you know, and it was it was hot. It had to, I think yeah. it was like July, July or something. And they were outdoors at Stage A. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, Manson, that was its that was at Star Lake and he it was like it wasn't like I was like mad like because a lot of people were mad. mad there were people walking really? out mm-hmm. I wasn't I was mad. mad I was just I'm not mad at you Manson I'm just disappointed in you Manson <laughs> and then uh, I was equally mad and disappointed <laughs> and then I did see at Stage A indoors one time I saw Kid Cudi and I was just like so excited to see him too because I never thought I'd really see him again and it was just a not a good show hmm Disappointing. You pay that Very money disappointing. And you look forward to something, and you go out there and they just shit the bed. Mm. It's terrible. Yeah. But I've heard performances like live performances that like I was glad I wasn't there. You know what I mean? From yeah. bands, and I'm not going to talk shit. Oh, like a bootleg. And, yeah, yeah, or like they'll play it on the radio sometimes. You know what I mean? Like they'll like you know promote a concert and they'll be like, oh, and you know, we filmed it live or whatever, and they'll play clips or whatever. They'll pr- play a few songs, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I wasn't there. You know what I've seen in this moment. Every single time they've came, they've mm-hmm. come. And the one time that I didn't see them, they were at the Rex, and I was really upset because I thought it was going to be at this cool, small venue. And right. everybody said it was a... Not was, a good performance. Yeah, yeah. It was one that I like kind of dodged a bullet because... Mm. It's usually when one of the band members is inebriated. Or usually. the entire band. Yeah. 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 And I mean, people have bad days and people have bad shit. Mm-hmm. I would have to say the the thing that i feel lucky about is that most of the time it's the other way there's a lot of times where i will see a band multiple multiple times if they come every year and i'm really a big fan i'll go all the time and you know sometimes that show is the same yeah Mm. 
And then every once in a while, they'll pull out something, and I'm really pleasantly surprised. Hmm. So I would have to say, more often than not, it's the other way. Right. Which is good. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of bad shows. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not proud of this moment, but I actually went to a Thompson Twins concert one time. Oh, yeah? You know what Thompson Twins are? No. Yeah. You're not missing anything. (laughs) I remember It's like an early 80s kind of like pop. Like English pop band, okay. They had like Maybe two this songs. sounds a little Hold familiar. Hold Me Now was one of the songs, and it was just real poppy and early MTV. And the night before, I had gone and seen, oh man, some metal show, and I had to take my the next night my girlfriend and her little sister to the show. It was bad. I mean, they were lip syncing, and it was all synthesizers, and it was just at the Stanley Theater, and like ten people were there. It just was just complete waste of time. I saw Joe Walsh of the Eagles solo in 1989 with like 80 people in the Syrian mosque basement, and he was completely freaking inebriated. Completely. 22-minute, oh, really? 28-minute show. He babbled on. He's like, like this. It was unbelievable. Like, this I wanted my money back. <laughs> like, you got to be shitting me. Me and the other 78 people want our money back. <laughs> yeah. We want those we minutes want of our, our lives back. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, uh, pop bands... Usually, if I had to be forced to go to a pop concert, they're usually were all shitty. Mm. The one rock show that, that actually was very disappointing was I saw a rat in in '85 when they hit it big, right? And Bon Jovi was the opening act, and they were just this young band out of New Jersey. And a rat, I waited so long to see this; it was going to be so cool, you know. They had the song "Round and Round." It was the Invasion of Your Privacy tour. It was like big show. They were just fucking bad; like they just yeah. weren't playing together. But Bon Jovi. We knew a little bit about they had a one seventy eight hundred Fahrenheit was the album before the big one, and they were just on the cusp. And Bon Jovi was in this like denim jacket with these high like cowboy boots, and he's on the top of this riser and jumps over the drum kit in like the opening act. And I'm wow. like, these fucking guys. Are, I mean, not my kind of music, really, not heavy enough. But man, I'm like, these guys are like un. They're gonna go somewhere. That band, I don't know who they are. They're gonna be somebody, and the next year, boom, it just blew up for them. But Dude, rat, and then Rat I'm, went I'm the a bon other Jovi direction. Fan. Rat went I the like other bon direction. I, do I don't too. care who knows. Yeah. It. yeah, Rat went their direction. I like just, Bon Jovi, me but too. man, it was. Uh, I knew that that was that was the real life. Living on deal. a prayer. If you're telling me you listen to Living on a Prayer and you don't feel something, <laughs> you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> we both like. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it was always on the radio. I mean, that's all. DB yeah, they had did you to death with it. It was so. Yeah, I mean, you have to, I lived that shit. Yeah. Like, that's an adult. That makes sense. A, a young adult. Like, I feel like when you're Dead or Alive? Come on, that's a great song. Yeah. I His like, face is... <laughs> I feel like the other thing, too, is like, when you're a kid, you have such a high tolerance for repetitive, like, things like, you just want to watch your same show or listen to the same song oh, over and over again, watch God. the same movie. My parents used to fast forward uh, Wizard of Oz on me. Because I, I wanted to watch it every day. That's so like, cruel. I know. <laughs> yeah, but if you'd sat through it day after day after day. I literally. I is think that I, not cruel? I say, it was probably what I did. It I was guess, probably more yeah. cruel. Yeah. And then it, it went on to like Beetlejuice. I watched that every day for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, Dude, the, I had to raise a kid in the Barney era. Oh, God. Trust yeah. me. Bless your heart. All my cousins were into it, but I was like just old enough that I missed it. Bear in the big, and I got big to make fun house. of all of them. Even I hated Barney yeah, as a kid. Yeah, I, yeah, I made fun of everybody like Barney. I love you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I even made fun of that yeah. as a kid when I was young enough that I should have liked it. Yeah, Sesame Street was much more. What about Teletubbies? Oh, that's that weird. Shit, they scared the shit out of me. Weird. That was like, 
I swear there was some kind of weird psychological Yeah, they were thing. trying to do something. That's what screwed a lot of kids up. Did you ever so see too. it? Yeah, I they're swear weird. they were like licking they each other's like antennas coming out. Yeah. yeah, I just feel yeah. like it was strange. Yeah, very psychologically <laughs> damaging <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I feel like I was being exposed to like some kind of hypno, and I'm yeah. looking around and like, this is not okay. <laughs> so yeah. clearly you missed Mork and Mindy, and you missed New Zoom Review. I used to watch Nick Night. Now I remember like Mork and Mindy would come on like when I was headed to school. I used I to feel love like. Nick at Night. Even, yeah. I mean, when that shit came out, it, and I was probably from, like 10 years old to 15, when that stuff was like on the regular TV, <laughs> that was a show once a week. Yeah. Even then, I knew that is some fucking rubbish. <laughs> I mean, that is garbage. That is, who nano, would listen nano. to that? <laughs> but that, but that? Yeah, I mean, like, you, come on, really? There's my mom and dad just sitting there watching this shit. I'm like, this guy, I mean, he it's like they're pretending he's a space alien. Like, <laughs> you, you're okay with this. I mean, okay my dad will be watching Barney Miller, like, later, you know, his police drama. So, you know, it's like, where do you, like, in your head rectify Mork and Mindy, you know, Barney Miller? What <laughs> you know? about, like, Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie? Well, I will say. Because <laughs> they were both beautiful. Like Samantha was beautiful, and so was Jean- the whoever. The, what was her well, name? One was sophisticated looking and and attractive, and the other one was just like because <clears throat> she was uh, wearing that little genie. The outfit. genie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who was the genie chick? What was who was that? I don't even remember what her name I was. I just remember either. the yeah. show. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No to one... like an eight, ten year old kid, that was all right. Yeah, but the I whole, mean, like, the, I mean, I'd rather have the one shaking her body instead of like, like, like shaking her nose, right? The one was the bee witch was like she would. Well, she was like a family her. woman too, you know. The, I dream of genies of the chick that's in the bottle that's just there whenever you want her. <laughs> that was a great premise for a show. Yeah, that was, <laughs> right. I mean, I was the most yeah. I mean, that was that was totally. I, the you could definitely see a bit all like the the male chauvinist, yeah. like kind of. She idea, was the gimp. Like yeah. she was like <laughs> tucked away. That got dark. <laughs> he went all teletubby. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly so. <laughs> oh, I don't know where to go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have left the main road. We're somewhere <laughs> off in left field. We're in the country road right now. We're gonna we're we'll the wind our way back. We we'll yeah. wind our way back. Uh, yeah. So I had all these pre these um, these pre written or, or, or ideas we shared before the show now I'm just like totally lost <laughs> I don't know how we, we, we talked about tubby, tully tubbies pop culture I guess we should get a little bit serious <laughs> I guess we should have a little bit of serious content in this show current events <laughs> maybe maybe uh, yeah so it's uh, we don't usually don't date these shows but we're going to generally it, it is the I guess the mid month of January um, we're still in the pandemic. 2021, 2021. we made it. <laughs> yes, we're here. Um, Second year of the simulation. <laughs> <laughs> simulation <laughs> 2. Right. 2.1. That's yes. a big rabbit hole there. <laughs> uh, before we, we can go there, I do want to find out from all of you, though, um, are we any closer right now to getting through the pandemic or seeing an, a light at the end of the tunnel? Are there more people that are believing that it's real? Are we acting more responsible? What's your like? What's your opinion of the state of the pandemic at the moment? 
I'm going right to okay. you. <laughs> Hot Miss, take. Oh, four or five weeks, we should be. Good. I know, right? <laughs> I, I told her. I wish you had that clip ready. I know. Four four famous five. last words. No, four or five weeks, we'll be good. I know. Last, what was it? Last like May, I was like, yeah, or no, it was last April, and I was like, yeah, but I'm thinking by like May. Yeah, June. start of summer, we'll be right back. Yeah. Well, we In played. your defense, didn't we all? I think so. Think. What was it? Was it a curve? What is it? I never yeah. would have believed this. We have flattened the curve flattened by now. Flattened the curve. Yeah. yeah. What was it? 14 days to flatten the curve, weren't yeah. they saying? The problem uh-huh. was they put men in charge of that. <laughs> Had the women been in charge of doing all that, we would be past this pandemic. You Probably. tell a man that he's in charge of flattening the curve. There's no man who wants to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Men don't. like curves. It's not, it's not what we are. It's not in what we are. I mean, don't we all, really? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I'm just saying. Um... Oh, God. I feel like because I'm in healthcare and I'm kind of like watching the sort of ebbs and flows of all this. And I'm surrounded by people that have been taking it very seriously the whole time. Um, do I think we're like, I do think it's, and it's it's a loaded topic because obviously, you know, the vaccine's rolling out. And that's and I think that, that the science behind the vaccine that is currently on the market is very exciting. Um I do feel that it's and I and like you know if you say you think it was rushed, there's gonna be a million people that are pro vaccine that are gonna come at you and say, well, da 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 da. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Right. And again, I mean, like it's a very personal decision whether mm-hmm. or not you want to get it. I don't think that you know the fact that everyone wants to post pictures of themselves getting it is fine. I mean, it's like it, people who vote. Yeah, that, that's just it too. <laughs> I voted I, today. <laughs> again, like I feel like it's kind of like this, awesome whole idea of like you know everyone wants to be on the right side of history and if you question any aspect of the standard narrative on what's out there right now Mm -hmm. um it can look really really bad and like i've taken and it's funny because like because everyone wants to be politically correct like i'll i'm in a bet that i'm the only person that hasn't gotten the vaccine in my department and like you know and it's a and i and they asked me we because i'm in healthcare and they give you a survey as to whether or not you want the vaccine and why you don't want it and i just listed personal and so i'm not going to get like super into it but i do feel like the fact that so many people either have already been infected or are getting the vaccine which the vaccine does show some promise um i think it's definitely going to move us towards herd immunity faster um i do feel like it's the thing that's concerning to me is that you know there are different strains that are kind of like coming out and so we have a vaccine that's based on a very new technology is there going to be any you know um guarantee that this is going to be the um you know the safe the be all end all for every strain that's going to come down the pike now uh maybe maybe not and how is the media going to present this information i feel like these are all concerns that I have because whether or not we actually get to a point that things like someone was saying I think it was I don't, maybe it was on Rogan or maybe it was on another podcast I was listening to maybe it was on one of your podcasts mm-hmm. um, but they oh, were saying <laughs> no, they, it was, I can't remember who it was but they were saying you know what California is dealing right now with right now I mean they're in the thick of a really horrible situation I right. mean like they're making right. decisions whether or not people live or die um, there's so many people there, like they literally are like stacked on top of each other, even right. if like, you know, the per capita, like, you know, population density is so different from here that like, 
you can't try and explain to someone in rural Pennsylvania what is happening in California and have or what happened in New York and expect them to have the same kind of empathy. Right. Um, But again, I don't think it means the other part of that is that I don't necessarily know that it means that the same solutions in those areas are what makes sense for here. Um, And there's an economical, you know, impact of everything. And if you even bring up the economy, then you're just an an asshole. And it's like, (laughs) I feel like, well, you know, there are people that are literally like, you know, uh, not able to pay their bills and losing their homes. And like, do those people not count? And they are people that are living in areas that maybe aren't as affected by the virus. Mm -hmm. And so they're wondering like, why is my livelihood being destroyed by something that I don't have a direct personal connection to? Right. Um, And so I feel like everyone's having a really different experience of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, and unfortunately, like my experience, I don't, I'm not going to say it's unfortunate because I feel very fortunate that everyone that I know personally that has gotten it has recovered, has not had a serious case. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't personally know anyone that's died. Right. Not, not anyone that was, and, but I, I know people that know people that have died from it. Mm-hmm. And I've been covering COVID units in the hospital that I work in. I don't have to make direct contact with my patients. Like I can do most of what I do over the phone. So like I'm in like a low risk profession. But so, I mean, I definitely think it's real. Like I watched our units totally blow up in November and they're pretty well under control now. So, I mean, like, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the cases are for whatever reason here seem to be going down from what I'm seeing. I'm not watching the news anymore though, to be honest with you, because it's just getting to the point for me where I just don't feel like I trust anything that's being told to me in the news. Keep that thought because we're going to swing back around and and ask that question. Okay, all right. Because that's I think that might maybe that may be dangerous. And so I feel like it's really hard for anybody to form like a true and valid opinion on any of this because I don't feel like we're getting reliable Mm -hmm. data. Uh, I feel like a lot of data is skewed, and so I have compassion for people that are going through like really. You know, I feel compassion for the people that are like ER nurses in the worst parts of this. I feel compassion for people that are losing their business over this. Um, so I feel like it's it's everyone's on, you know, it shouldn't be this like polarizing discussion. I don't think I think it should be something that we're looking at from a holistic standpoint of like, you know, what are the best solutions that we can come up with based on the current situation to, you know, create sustainable solutions for people because what we're doing right now really isn't sustainable. That's, that's where I'm at. Jer? I'll just pick up right where you left off. Not only is it not sustainable, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. Well, that's because people aren't doing what they're... Well, there you go. And you know what? They're not going to. You know what I mean? You cannot, like, unless you want to turn this into a prison society... It's America. Where they can literally, like, someone was telling me in other countries, they were following you around with drones, with a mm-hmm. lockdown and stuff like that, you know? Coming into your homes and, like, literally, like, telling people that they have to leave, like, or, like, arresting people for having more than 10 people in their house or something. Just like. want some well, turkey, man. In <laughs> California, they were talking about, well, we're going to turn off the utilities to houses. Where, and some people are like, well, that's totally justified because they're not behind the solution and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, at what point do we stop that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Okay, what do you do? Do you throw somebody in jail? Like, let's start throwing it out there with people who are really feel really strongly about mitigating uh, efforts. You know what I mean? Uh, Some of them, you say, I think we should put someone in jail for seven years if they're caught, uh, not social distancing and things like that. And uh, we should also make it so that it's basically a felony charge and they won't be able to work. Guarantee you and me, we look at each other like... Isn't that crazy? You know what I mean? Like the idea that you would do that to somebody just because they're like, I don't agree with this and I don't think it's working and I'm not going to throw my life away 
on the off chance that this makes things a little bit better. Look around. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we've been doing this for a year now. We are in the middle of a full-blown freaking pandemic, and what we've done didn't work. Right. We can admit that. You know what I mean? Like, however you feel about it and why ever you feel it didn't work. But see, Americans don't want to admit yeah. we're wrong ever. Sure. We, we, you know, we'll talk about that too. And sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I, no, that's it, fine. I, the You're point, absolutely the point right. is so straight. Yeah. We don't. Our government doesn't want to admit they made a mistake. Yep. The incoming government doesn't want to admit yep. that they're not saying the right thing because they might not be. Yeah. And, know. And and what really I mean, shuts the conversation down is that people who are dead set, and I think you can probably tell I'm to the point where I'm like, you know, let us live our lives here. But like, I also had to take a look at the fact where I'm like, what about people who lost someone? I'm really careful about. Mm -hmm. I wasn't real careful about what I said on social media for a while. And I started to think about it, and I was like, well, what if your dad or your mom mm -hmm. or somebody you loved mm -hmm. passed away from COVID? And it would be like, okay, maybe it would totally change my whole idea. And I would say, well, maybe we should stay locked down. Maybe I can give concerts up. Maybe we don't need to fly in airplanes anymore. Maybe there's a new normal where no. we just don't stay within close proximity to each other because we're terrified of a virus that could possibly kill a small percentage of us. Yeah. Maybe the I would change my number, mind. The numbers don't jive. But maybe I would change my You know what I mean? Like, I didn't lose... For me, I have to look at the fact, it would be different if I lost someone close to me and I was still standing here saying, look, we got to live our lives. But for me, I didn't lose anyone close to me. And so like, I had to take a look at the fact that you're being awfully loud about, hey, we can't live in fear. I put out a post the very first week this happened. I was down in a, uh, I was working in a nuclear power plant outage. She, bless her heart, dealt with this whole thing all by herself up here. I wasn't with her. She was like, things are getting really scary up here. You're allowed to leave? And I'm like... Well, I'm working at a nuclear power plant, and they can't just shut it back. You know what I mean? Like, right, they can't right. just be like, "Well, we're gonna finish this next year." You know what I mean? Like, they're spent, <laughs> they're spent fuel rods. Like, this has to happen, and I'm, I can't bail on this. You know? Right. Um, but I remember putting something out, and I was like, "Do not believe in the fear campaign." You know what I mean? Don't give up your choice out of fear. Like, don't t let someone tell you that you have to shut your whole life you down. You don't feel that way anymore. Um. I think I have a more broad perspective now. I think the big problem now is I'm not afraid to say how I feel, but I think the big problem is I feel the way I feel, you feel the way you feel. Maybe we all feel similarly, but I think the problem is that people who are like, look, people are dying. We have a global pandemic. Um, you people who are sensitive about, you know, your personal freedoms, you're not allowed to get your hair done, you're not allowed to go to the bar and shit, like, you're coming off as really petty and selfish, you know what I mean? Uh, and then there's people who are of the other mind that say, hey, uh, you know, people are losing their businesses, they're worried they're not going to be able to take care of their children, their unemployment is running out, like... If you were a single mother and you had two, three kids to look after and you were told you're literally not permitted to go out there and work and provide for your children because some people who are immunocompromised or, you know, have advanced years are, are at risk for dying, I would have to say I'd be like, I'm taking care of my fucking children. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking out for my family and I'm sorry that you're at advanced risk, but you need to stay your ass home. I got kids I got to look out for. I have a responsibility. I got people at home that I love and they're suffering and their livelihoods, you know, their futures are dwindling because I'm not, I have a skill and in this current climate, I'm told I'm not allowed to work. You're not allowed to go and provide for your children. So there's two very different sides and the problem is neither side is listening to the other. Mm -hmm. People who feel 
A, don't hear that at all. It's almost like if I give you an inch, you're you're going to totally knock down my argument, and it's the same way. And I had to take a look at the fact that I was being kind of callous and just being like, well, people die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people die of the flu. People die all the time. Um, but what if it was me who died? You know, like, I'm scared of dying. Like, my own mortality frightens me. I think it's really, it's easy to distance myself. I think it's easy for one to distance oneself from the reality of either side, depending on how you feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The reality of being you know, responsible for your family's well-being and being terrified because you don't know if you're going to be able to provide for them. Just just straight up known, like, my kids are not going to have the future that they could have had because I lost my business. Oh, it's easy to look at, you know, money when, when you don't have to worry about people dying. But it's like, when you're responsible for other people's well-being, for their welfare, for their Absolutely. future, are you just going to say, it's okay? It's okay. My kids may not go to college. It's okay. My kids... They might not have much of a future. Like, we might slide into poverty. My kids might have a really messed up future when they had a bright future ahead of them. I'm just supposed to accept that because some people are at advanced risk for a serious case and they could die. Like, none of it's okay. And regardless of how we feel, I think it's important not to marginalize either side. Well, that's just kindness. That's what I mean, yeah, but it, that's just kindness. The more, and you you alluded to it a little bit, you know, the more polarized we get and divided we get, the less kind we mm-hmm. get. Like, when did we get from the point where I might kind of poke fun at you and disagree with you, maybe even like look down on you a little bit, you know, if I'm that kind of person? But how do we go from that to I literally hate you with a burning passion because we feel differently mm-hmm. about certain issues that are going on? Mm-hmm. Um, how did that happen? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> that, that pregnant pause in a second. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good Taking phrase. Taking in pregnant <laughs> pause. Pregnant pause. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would have to agree there with, um, you know, everybody's experiencing this differently. And I think we have to not only take care of our own experience but we have to definitely take care of our fellow people and their experience i do know people that have lost parents during Mm -hmm. this and um i do think the vaccine gives me hope because i do think whoever needs it wants it will get it and then that will make a huge difference do i think everybody should be mandated to have it no i think you know it's still a little too new and and like julia was saying it's amazing technology but it's very new and i can understand why somebody wouldn't feel comfortable um getting vaccinated but i also think the vaccine is going to help so much with people feeling safe um like i said it gives me a little bit more hope because i think especially now like being at this point of you know 2021 we're in january and we've been going through this for a while and we do we have been blessed that we live in a country where we're not used to this Mm -hmm. you know there's you know that's something that we can look at and actually be grateful for that we're actually having a hard time 
with all of this because we're not used to ever having to deal with this. You, I mean, I laugh about it, but it's this is a very true statement during like the quarantine and during all of this. You can tell there's some people that have never been told no before <laughs> ever in their whole life, and it shows for sure. That's a good but point. At the same time, you still pe- you see people suffering because they're either um, losing people. I do feel like those numbers can be kind of inflated, but there are people that are losing people. And not only that, but there are people that are going through having this virus and they're having some lasting physical right. effects. It's not just death. So I think we really concentrate on like how many are are the death tolls true and and that's not always what the concern is plus like like jerry was saying it's just you know to see people lose their livelihoods and their family business and uh how are they going to provide and you know it's gotten to the point where people can't put put food on the table or they're looking into the future of not being able to put food on the table for their kids i mean so when we're looking at that, I think it we really do have to look to the other person and understand what their experience is and understand that we have to somehow come to a middle ground. Um, like I said, I, I think at this point we're definitely going through some like COVID fatigue. It's just been going on so long. We had to make hard decisions during the holidays and things like that, but... I definitely feel like the vaccine gives me hope because it's kind of to the point like when it is available to all of the public or when it goes through the waves and it's kind of like, you know, enter at your own risk. I don't see why everything shouldn't be mm-hmm. open back up at that point or um, because the whole I, I feel like both sides of the argument, if you're extremely on both sides and they say if you don't want to wear a mask stay home or if you don't if you're scared of the virus stay home we just can't stay home that's Mm -hmm. not realistic nobody can stay home we have to work we have to eat we have to bank we have to have to live we have to live we have to do all those things and as much as people are trying to be careful and stay home there are things that if they're really afraid of getting the virus or if they really are immune compromised or older they're not going to be in their house forever it's just not realistic it's just not so plus we're, we're social creatures everyone looks at the oh the economy and it's just important believe me i i was telling you before the show eric you know our our industry my day job we got hit hard we right. did right we got guys laid off and, right you know um but worse in addition to that which is not to be overlooked we're social creatures, mm-hmm. right. you know. We got suicide rates are through the roof, mm-hmm. and see, here's the, the uh, and kind of what I was get, al- doesn't get talked about enough. Kind of what I was alluding to before, though, because like I'm picturing someone listening to this and be like, ah, see, see, he presented it like he was moderate, but now he's going to sneak around the back door and start throwing <laughs> all <laughs> the statistics in there it's, it's, it's a shame to hint towards be him like being be people like that anti-mask, anti-vax, but right. And I think that what I'm trying to do is get at what I feel the real problem is, is that you can talk about one side of it, you can talk about the other side of it, but eventually someone's looking at you going, 
well, you need to land on one side or the other <laughs> so I can figure out how I feel about you. So they can label and you. And so I can figure out how I feel about every other thing you're saying. <laughs> and then based on one thing you say... They it, invalidate the rest of it. It colors everything. Absolutely. And that's what I mean. And that's everything. In this country right now, is you're either A or B. Wait, before I give any credibility to what you're saying, you might be about to make me look See, stupid. I, I reject that. I need to figure out which team you're on. I reject Wait, that. are you on A team or are you on B team? Because <laughs> you're saying a few things that make sense, but as soon as I agree with you and I realize you're on B team, I'm going to be infuriated with myself <laughs> and you. Or even listening Dude, to I'm you. I'm not even in the stadium, man. I'm not on one of those teams. I'm not in the stadium. I... I think the biggest problem is there's no pragmatic thought yeah. in this country. We learned just indulge me for a second. We learned how to how to speak and how to think. And we learned how to think pragmatically. As a kid, we learned how to reason. We had to look at circumstances and realize different possibilities and try to try to compare possibilities in our heads so we can formulate a decision to move forward. We learned this skill as a child but we are not employing the basic concepts of critical thinking and i'm sorry i am not living my life that way i cannot label someone or listen to a portion of what this person believes in a sound bite mm -hmm. and then immediately <laughs> label that person one way or the other or a third way or even a fourth way i don't care about a sound bite I don't need, I don't know, I have not had enough information about what you really believe. Believe it or not, even when we talked, I still don't have enough information to really formulate an opinion of which side of the fence you are on, or even if you're in the, the field. See, that's how I go through my life. And it's hard now because everybody wants to label everybody. And yes, the two easy ones, Democrat, Republican, right? Or now you have the you, you have uh, COVID believers and COVID non-believers. Yeah, maskers Those, and non-maskers. Non -maskers. Everybody wants to label somebody and, like you said, color your belief of that person. Mm -hmm. Either I'm just indifferent or I just can't do that. I, there, life is too complex. This is a big fucking world, man. Like, I mean, just, you know, I can't. When I go to do a real estate deal, there is multiple steps to the process. From the moment I meet that client, and I'm gonna, we're gonna, there's just so many steps to the closing table. I can't take a simplistic approach to every part of that. I can't label my customer this way the first time I meet them, and in my head say they're gonna buy that house, and they're gonna take this lender, and they're gonna have this inspection company and this closing agent, like day one. But if I applied the logic that we all use to maneuver our life, that's what I would do in my job. Now, that's insanity. It's stupid. You can't you can't be a realtor that way. You can't be a functioning person that way, in my opinion. But yet we do it. Yet we are so quick to just, I mean, I don't understand why we can't take a breath and say, hey, you know, that's an interesting idea. What about this idea? And then hear what they have to say. Don't just say, oh, that's an interesting idea. I'm with you. Or that's a, that's a horrible idea. I don't like you. That's insane. That's just abs that's that to me is the most infantile way of conducting a human experience that I could possibly imagine. And I'm not denigrating people, but I kind of am because they're fucking idiots. I'm so, you you can't <laughs> you can't maneuver your life making assumptions about people and then 
and then acting accordingly based upon an assumption of a belief, especially when you have no information to go by, a sound bite. I can't live that way. Well, it's like and, how and, they I, talk- and I refuse to live that way. They started talking about like, you know, like identity politics. And I think that's part of like the problem that we're running into now is that it's like, you know, if you subscribe to like this, you know, this belief, and that means all these other beliefs have to fall in line with that first belief. Because if you believe A, then that means you believe like B, C, D, and E. And right. G Which too. is insane. But like, the, I feel like people don't really actually operate that way. Like the average person might right. have like a whole myriad of things because of their life experience. Like we just probably all do. That, well, that's just it. Is it's like, you well, know, we don't you, get evaluated on that though. And, and I don't think that, that like the current, um, like model really gives room for that kind of like nuance because it's unfortunate exactly. that like you're not looking at a person's whole experience. Like I might be like super liberal on this thing and super conservative on that thing just because of like my own personal path sure. on like how I was like on how I went through life because of a, an experience right. I had or whatever. And like you can't tell that just by looking at me. You don't know me. You know what I mean? Like you don't know why I I value like this particular belief set in this area of my life and this particular belief set in this area of my life. Like and for any of us to look at another person and think that like we have them figured out based on how they answered one question or like how they voted on one election or whatever. It just se- it all seems so like black and white. And it's, it's but unfair. if their thinking is that obtuse, it's just easier for them to like box people in and actually go. think complexly about it. And like I said before, earlier, I was saying like, you know, squeaky wheels get the grease. So a lot of times I think we're hearing that too. We're hearing mm-hmm. um, extreme on both sides. sides of both and really i think most of the time there are very logical middle ground people that can take what sort of bulk of society's at yeah yeah but we're not i i think we're not hearing that as they much have no voice well it's not sexy uh, it's not sexy for the media to be a critical yeah. thinker it's not sexy. the mo- moderate moderation or moderate viewpoints do not sell print press right. tabloid nothing they just don't that and that's where the average pe- people in this country who are pragmatic and realize hey i believe this republicans believe this i kind of dig that but i don't like that i'm more in line with this and they you and you don't dwell on it you just make an assumption based upon what you hear and you just go on through your day we're all working and doing our jobs and doing our lives we're not political pundits but they want to those who are calling the shots want to label us on little hair trigger beliefs or comments and then just put us in the boxes and then sell us certain things and count on our votes and it's it's nuts we humans are smarter than we give each other credit for because we're labeling each other with no information or very limited information it's in when i was a kid politics was like the thing that happened once every four years and there was a maybe a, a, a council election or something. And it was, no one wore their political party affiliation as a badge of honor. No one cared. And I grew up in an all democratic town. I still wouldn't have known that as a kid because nobody cared. It wasn't a sports team that you're rooting for. Yeah. No one cared. Like it wasn't someone your identity. That you were like wearing their logo it on wasn't your shirt. Your identity. There was a handful of people in the system that probably were really into it. But the average person didn't give a shit. It's just you something you did every two years. You voted and, you know. But now, 
people are so twisted they want to belong to something and they you know you were talking before uh as you were saying that about we take those quick assumptions of people you know what it is it's laziness of thought we're, we're lazy yeah. thinkers we're not even thinkers anymore we're just we ingest this soundbite shit and we just run with it how fucking stupid are we we're letting these people manipulate the little attention we're willing to give give in our life and and i mean hate to say it, but those whack jobs that, that ran the capitol they took this president's words to mean something that pr- he probably wouldn't ever have really wanted to mean and they just took a sound bite ran with it and you see how the crowd mentality goes it just it blew up it's insane it's the whole premise was insane so and of course the reaction against it now is an overreach and insane and the bulk of us i believe this are sitting back looking at this just shaking our heads like this is not pragmatic critical thinking this is lazy thinking these people are maneuvering their life and they want us to maneuver our lives based upon lazy thinking no thank you I'm well because living that way. yeah they're simplifying it and boiling it down to something for one thing you can't i say all the time you cannot make sense out of insanity you can't and that's what Good i line. think a lot of people want to do mm-hmm. and you know the people that would you or I ever think we were going to storm the Capitol without getting shot the second we saw? You know what I mean? These people who weren't think to do that? saying, yeah, that's what I mean. And like you said, taking words and like misconstruing them and stuff. So I think, and I I really feel like the media has a lot to do with it. I think I personally give social media a little bit more leeway because that's not it's not so much social media's job we all get our voice on social media which that's everybody's mm-hmm. opinion either way but not everybody a- anymore yeah <laughs> but actual media platforms i mean i i got really disgusted with the media and their integrity you know i think a lot of people are seeing it now uh the last few years with the elections but I mean, we were having all these mass shootings and school shootings, and you'd turn on the news, and there'd be, you know, in this situation, there'd be victims and their families and first responders, but you never saw any of that. You'd see Mm. the shooter and what was in their apartment and their picture and their name and how they grew up and everything, and it was just this in very poor taste reporting that I thought like if I had lost somebody in one of these shootings and I had to turn on the news right which I I mean unless somebody is at large I never understood why they did that mm-hmm. but it did it sells it mm-hmm. sells and that's what people so that's why they do it and it it lost its its integrity for me what so. is news now like what yeah. is news? Because okay, just hear me out. I'll start the conversation by saying I can remember the '70s and the '80s, pre-internet days, pre-CNN days, where, and I'm not saying this was good, but we only had a couple outlets, <clears throat> and it was the you know CBS, NBC, um, ABC. <laughs> and we the, still only have a couple outlets. And the, and the, <laughs> true. true and the affiliates, and now uh, we have the illusion, but. You kind of thought that generally, and there was definitely a, a liberal slant to a lot of the big back then there was too, but it wasn't so obtuse like it is now. But 
if Walter Cronkite said that uh, that there was uh, Nicaraguan guerrillas fighting the Contras that day, we kind of knew it wasn't going to affect our life. We believed it. That's what we believed. You know, we we don't believe anything anymore unless it's coming from people that are on our side or our perceived side. We want to believe it. That's not news anymore. That's editorial pieces. That's belonging to a club. You know, like people that subscribe to Fox News or people that subscribe to CNN, either camp, diehards, like day in, day out, people that they're, they're, they're basically in an echo chamber. They're basically belonging to a club, and that's the megaphone mouthpiece, the chant, the rah, rah, go team. That's insanity. That's not news. That's not news. That, that, that's, that's something else, you know, and there's elements of entertainment, and we, we make, make news sexy, and that started with 60 Minutes in the 70s. It started then in Inside Edition in the late 80s, and, 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 and now the, even the, they're so devoid of creativity in, in, in La La Land that they took stories out of the news and created shows like Law and Order, like NYNC, NCIS, things like that. That's not original content. They're taking stories off the off reality because they don't have to anymore. Like they just they're just regurgitating reality and putting a spin on it and then selling it to us as entertainment. And I am including them. That's how I see it. If I'm wrong, tell me. But what is news now? Well, no, and that's what entertains us too. That's why, like you said, it is sells. Is that entertainment, though? Well, it, here's the thing: when you're when you're trying to decide what is right, are you trying to feel something? Like, is that your intention? Like, let's say you really got a difficult decision ahead of you. Picture yourself: you got to make a career decision, or you got to decide what you want to do that night. And there's a lot of things at play. It's an important decision. Are you sitting there seeking a good feeling or a strong feeling? You're seeking clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to put your emotions aside and seek clarity so you can make the right decision. It's a better way to live. Sure, but I'm saying, like, just just to get us out of the the current like yeah. stage that we've set. You yeah. know, I got to make a career choice, or I got to figure out what I'm going to do about this situation. You need the facts. Am I seeking a strong emotion? No, I got to get that. Like, if I'm going to make a wise choice, I'm seeking to get that strong emotion away from me. Not all people. Yeah. Not all Americans. Okay. Right. Yeah. Less and less every yeah. day. But. You're going to make a bad decision. <laughs> right. You know what I right. mean? Like, if you're going to make a career choice, I think deep down most people know. And they'll look at it later. Yeah, I quit. I was angry. I should have just. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if I'm really trying to make the right decision, most people, I think somewhere deep down, they know I need clarity to do that. Oh, you know? We should seek clarity always on everything and we do. So if that's not what the news is about, why are we connecting with it? Why? Exactly right. Why are we connected? Like, supposedly, because, like, ostensibly, like, the news is going to help me see this clear picture of the world around me. And it's like. Is that really why you turn on the news? Is Has that it become you... like entertainment yeah. or a stimulant? There's elements or is of it. I think the second thing you said. Yeah, I think sti- it's... The stimulant. And like to take it a step further, because I want to expand on that too, but do you get that need for constant stimulation with a, a healthy, well-balanced populace? Or do you get that with a lot of people who are all unhappy, jaded, disconnected, messed up, psychologically damaged? I mean, we're, you know... We consume a lot of social media, even though we might talk shit about it, right? You, you at least that's coming from fellow citizens. No, but what I yeah. mean, yeah. Like yeah. Media look house. at the fucking memes. Like I don't know if you see it as much, but I like you know I see memes who are younger people and even people our age who are sharing people like in their thirties, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, in forties, 
all the memes are about how fucked up we all are. Mm-hmm. That's what people are connecting with. Like I realized during the pandemic was one of the things you really want to get a gauge, like a temperature for where people are at. Where look at memes. Look at what kind of memes no are doubt. being shared. Oh, sat- mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Used to be political cartoons. The satire. Yeah. 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 The memes are all about this is how fucked up I am. Can you believe how poor I am? Can you believe how emotionally damaged I am? Can you believe guilty. how obsessive I am? Can you believe how petty I am? Like, I'm can very you guilty of that on social media. How really? shitty my life is. And I'm going to put it in a funny way and the meme is relatable and we all laugh but it's like, take a look at how much we all relate to this and how <laughs> fucked up we all are. That I, is the state that we're in. Why they're selling us what we want. They're selling us what we consume. Yeah, they're, they're giving us. That's what I mean. Yeah. I got the shirt on. I, I think they're it. our fucking enemy, but we're buying it. They're selling it because this is what we want. They got to make a living just like because everybody it's else. Business, man. It's the business, business right. of news. But that emotional. I need a stimulation. Yeah. You know what I mean. I need a yeah. team to identify well, so, with. Like, okay, that's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm coming to you. No, that, I'm, I'm just, just enjoying nailed this it. You just nailed. That's the thing. This whole team. We're identity, unhappy. This team identity I shit drives me insane. But like, do we want to belong that bad that we we're need unhappy. to? Well, that's like people go back to like the idea of tribalism, which is like not a new thing. Like, and that's you know to what we were talking about earlier, as far as like is polarization. Is it any worse now than it ever has been? And I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think it is. I think it is in certain areas, but like, think about like, and I know what I think. I feel like I brought this up on a top or on a podcast before, but like, think about like when we were growing up and like, you know, we talk about music so much and how now, you know, music has like kind of like cross pollinated with all these different genres blending and all that kind of stuff. But think about how like much you talk about school shootings, like, I remember identifying with the shooter more than the victims mm-hmm. because the shooter was someone that was alienated and that was made fun of um, and that was ostracized. And Yeah, Columbine. Yeah. And then, I yeah. wore a trench coat to school every day. I was about to yeah. say, we were in high school at that time. <laughs> we all hung out with not to people say of I, that nature or were people of that nature and idolize what they did but no, no I, not at all they right. were from my subgroup of, yeah you know what but I mean? that's what, and i think like in in you know we went to north Allegheny or north hills i went to north Allegheny when i was younger and so there it was a lot about money um so it's, since i didn't live in like a huge house like i was like ostracized because i didn't have as much money and then i moved to like you know more of like a working class school and like went to north hills and then it's all about sports and like if you were on the football team or if you were a cheerleader and you were listening to pop music like you were like on the right side of what was going on and like you were definitely like accepted and more favored in like the teacher's eyes whereas if you were wearing black and trench coats or you know dark makeup or whatever with the school spirit nope nope exactly exactly and like i mean i remember i got a cheerleader's outfit to wear for halloween one year and like it was literally hot, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I did it she with was like, all goth out. Yeah, like it with like a goth hot. theme and like literally I still like, remember that outfit. I I know you do. <laughs> and I seriously like the girl that loaned it to me was like terrified that someone was gonna find out that she lent it to me. She was like, You have to promise me that no one will know who you mm-hmm. borrowed this from. And like so like my the point that I'm making basically is like and there was like that whole group of like coming of age movies that came around that time like the American Pie movies and like that there's just like I feel like we've always kind of been like a culture of like team sports even if you were like on the freak team or on the nerd team or on whatever and like now being a nerd is super well, cool. Well a sense of belonging Because like right? Harry do Potter. We, we, and all, do no, we and need to belong to something? That's, that's natural but I think it's the division we're seeing. 
Yeah, I and that's kind of like where... Ideas have always been very far apart, mm-hmm. but now our emotional connection to ideas and ideologies drives us further apart as people. Right. Ideologies being very far apart or ideas being but, on the extreme end mm-hmm. of the spectrum, that's natural, but <sighs> our emotional connection to those extremes well, and it dividing us as people... That's not natural. And it that, happens, but, see, but that's, that's not what a I think they're playing on is that everyone has that instinct to want to belong. And so then you cr- you create a um, a narrative that states that, you know, this side of the light of the right or this side of the line is correct and this side is incorrect. Yeah, these are the good it, guys and these are the bad it, guys. It no, no longer becomes about the actual politics. It's no longer about, you know, what you believe as far as the economy or abortion or freaking, you know, what anything. It's not about what's right. It's about who's right. Right. And that, and the problem then becomes like you've taken a natural human instinct, which is like, you know, we do want to belong and we do want to have a tribe. We do want to feel like we have people we can identify with. And then you politicize that and you exploit it basically. And then you control an entire, you know, group of you know talk, the media social media you're talking about like you know so and so whoever doesn't have a voice the fact that tech the big tech companies can basically dictate what our political beliefs should be it doesn't matter what they actually are it doesn't matter whether you know like what i believe or who i voted for the fact that there is a com- that there is like a, an industry that has so much control over the stream of information and you're talking about what is the news now the fact that they can basically decide what the news is ahead of time and then create such a an extreme you know side of the conversation where you know the other side that's represented represented seems so you know cuckoo and crazy that like Out you're like touch. exactly like you know what i mean like i can't really identify with the right i, I mean like the like the far right just seems like like my grandparents, you know what I mean? Like I, it's. I'm gonna spit out my <laughs> fake beer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like that's, that's like, so <laughs> apropos. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, but it's like, I feel like it was that it's almost it's been presented to me that way intentionally, though. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that that's the thing that I find frustrating. So I don't feel like maybe that I have as much of a choice in what I choose to see and how I choose to see things. So if we educate ourselves, like, what separates us from the animals? Because I think so many people get attached to that, like, oh, social media, they're controlling us, and they have this algorithm, We're and they have this. Right? We can reason. Yeah, I feel like, so we talk about that all the time. But I feel don't. like it's a lot of knowledge that's out there now. So why, I really feel like a lot of the time, change starts at home. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of things we can do to change things and it just starts with our daily habits but instead we'd rather look to such a bigger picture okay so are we lazy in thought in this country i think we absolutely are number two most of the people in this country and this is not going to... I'm not going to get love bombs coming my way here. Most of the people <laughs> in this country, in my opinion, who are so gung-ho about their fucking team, left or right, right? These are the same stupid morons that didn't pay attention in civics class, couldn't <laughs> tell you who the, who the third president of the United States is. Hey, at least you got and civics the, class. The, they took it away from and us. And the, bottom, <laughs> yeah, right. the bottom line is... The bottom line is... You didn't give a rat's ass about any of this Americana stuff for most of your life. 
But in the last two years, to join a fucking team so you feel better and be, to be entertained on what you see in television now, which is more exciting than watching any of your lost shows or any other garbage you ingest on a, on a weekly basis. You joined a team and it happened to be Republican or Democrat. And you think you're so embedded and loyal and these are my heroes and you're an asshole because you <laughs> don't know at all what a political platform is. And if you, if you would know what a political platform, you'd be astonished that there wasn't one this past year. And you'd want to know why. But you don't care, see? You don't care because you're going to spoon feed. You're going to take all everything spoon fed to you and ingest it as gospel because it's your side. You don't have the mental, the mental fortitude to critically think about what you're really buying into because that would require thought and you're too goddamn lazy because I just think we're lazy, period, intellectually in this country. We have to have everything spoon-fed. How many people lay on the goddamn couch every night, pandemic or not? We only care about numbing ourselves and taking our mind far away from reality because it's easy. It's titillating. It's easy. And we're being told it's sexy. You know what? There's nothing wonderful about being stupid. Yet half of this country is volunteering, voluntarily stupid, lazy. And it drives me crazy that you would give up your mental intellect and choose a side on something because of laziness. These people aren't left or right. You could ask half these Republicans what the history of the Republican Party is. What is conservatism? What is conservatism? They can't tell you. They can't tell you. What is supply-side economics? They can't tell you. Or the history of liberalism? They can't tell you. They don't know, man. You can't join a team and, and pledge your life to a team when you don't know what the fuck they stand for because you, you haven't taken the time to figure it out. This is insanity to me. To run your life that way? No thank you. No thank you. Well, I'm going to bring it back to what I was saying, though. And this sounds stupid to my own ears, but give me a second. <laughs> I said it before. We are unhappy. Oh, boo fucking who, you're unhappy. Believe me. That I, might be the cause. I, I'm the first one to be like, oh, you're so, oh, you're unhappy. Too bad. Go to work. Do what you got to do. Take care of your family. You know what I mean? Figure your shit out. Like, I'm very much a believer in that. But, like, I just saw you. You know what I mean? You get the way I get sometimes. You got passion. You got fire, right? It's insanity. No, no, no. The way you get. You know what I mean? You got that fire, right? You can get passionate. You can get worked Absolutely. up. Absolutely. I can get that, too. You know what I mean? But what do you do when your passion goes out, when your fire goes out? You know what I mean? You're like, they're lazy. And believe me, I I get in the same, like, why can't you just find something real to believe in and quit watching cable news television to tell you every fucking thing that's real in life? Go, fin- go find out for yourself. But go why experience. is it important to people? Why why is it important to be to identify as a Republican, to identify as a Democrat? There's so many other cooler shit in this world to do. Why, do, do? why do we have to be right or wrong? wrong why does somebody always have to win bingo what that's you know the number one thing the hypocrisy that on both sides is what gets me because it's so much harder to humble yourself and say you might be right or i might agree with you a little bit than to say what about isms or you you know what i mean no humility no it takes a lot of vulnerability it does right yeah Humility. Right. It, it, we've lost the ability to be humble in this country. Yeah, but yeah, look, we're and going on and on about like everything that's wrong with us. But like what I was alluding to is, what about when that fire goes out? 
You know what I mean? You're like, why do you need someone to identify with? Why do you need a team to join? Why do you need this constant yeah. stream of shit? Right. What do you do when that fire goes out? What's left? Work a job you don't particularly like. So Some people do. Themselves. Some people do. Well, just everything. You know, you see the one meme, gestures broadly at everything. Mm -hmm. That's another meme that, that yeah. points to how unhappy and how jaded. It's not just about unhappiness. We People lived through the Great Depression and yep. found a way to get through it. I'm sure they were seriously fucking unhappy. No doubt. When you believe in something, when you've got something inside of you, so you're saying this, that's where they're. That's why they're. they're, they're I, I'm not saying that I know one way or the other. I just see a lot of people who are not just disenchanted. People who don't believe in anything. It's like the real person that's inside that fire, that flame, yeah. whatever it is that that causes you to just say something when you didn't even realize you were about to say it. That's right. spontaneous. Yeah. You know what I mean. That's where thing, creativity that comes smart, from, you know? right? But what it's easy when you got that fire inside. You ever been depressed? I struggle with depression. You know what I mean? Yeah. When that fire Amen. goes out, man, I know me personally. I'll look for anything if I'm in a bad place and I can't like get back up where I need to be. I'll look for anything to fill that void mm -hmm. because I get it. that crushing emptiness. I would do anything not to feel that way. To, to feel, feel to feel. To period. Feel, yeah. To yeah. feel totally alone, yeah. and yeah, I think yeah. that's the way a lot of people feel. Like could be. You know what I mean? I, I will tell you for sure. I've heard it time and time again. So many people, you know, though, there's a mental health crisis that's going I on. Believe and that. it's not just since COVID. We have had, like, Absolutely. the youth. I mean, more, Absolutely. almost as many people are diagnosed. It's getting to the point where more people are going to have a diagnosis than people who don't. So it's normal to be what people consider to be mentally ill. And the people who are mentally and emotionally healthy, they're going to be in the minority. So when you have this nation, not just this nation, like so many developed nations especially, we're totally just broken. We don't know how to process life. We don't know how to grow emotionally. We're crippled. We're totally just, we're like splattered on the road, just like twitching. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck do I care if I'm watching cable news? Like, what do I care if I'm watching Netflix? Like, I don't have anything inside that really means anything to me. I just want to be comfortable. I don't have anything better. And I don't think that people realize deep down that there's an alternative. And I think really that's what politics is about now. It has nothing to do with inspiring thought. You're kidding yourself. Get out of here with that. You know what I mean? Mm, the team. You, that too. You need to inspire a feeling in people. And that is what people follow. They should choose music instead. Yeah, but or, I mean, or something. If you can inspire less someone, polarizing, right? But if you can inspire someone in a way that it makes them feel something, and it inspires their mind, and, and it, ins it 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 inspires them to imagine a better world, a better solution, a better way to do things, then I think that is a real what you call it a platform. You know what I mean? It's an actual ideology. But when you Pick just, book. but when you just pull at people's feelings. Number one, it's easier, and number two, yeah. I think you get a stronger that's a, reaction. That's a great point. When you have a populace that is just, we're disenchanted, overall, as a society, we're fucking broken, you know what I mean? And I don't think it's something, sometimes you hear people talking about it, you hear pastors talking about the brokenness and how we need to heal it, and here's my solution. And that's, I think, another thing that I was alluding to is like, when someone comes at me with an agenda, be it political realtor right you're trying to sell me something like anybody comes at me and i suddenly realize they have an agenda i don't trust them anymore right um so it's easy to spot the agenda but if you have no you have an agenda but it's a private agenda and that's mm -hmm. what i mean like anytime you suggest like something going on behind the scenes now 
immediately like are you conspiracy theorists are you right. on that team mm-hmm. like there's a c team that we haven't talked about yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a tinfoil yeah. hat team you know and it, they're grouped <laughs> in with like the right wing conspiracy theorists but a lot of times like they don't trust the right or the left they're just mm-hmm. like i talked to you about your ideas and i'm interested by them and then i'm like oh you believe there's listening devices in your cheese okay yeah. <laughs> i didn't realize we were on that team i'm not with that team you know what i mean what but, kind of cheese <laughs> but now it's almost like it's dangerous to admit that you not only challenge, but that you question yeah. what the authorities are telling you. Mm-hmm. And if you, like, I know from being a manager, like, I'll call myself out. It is easier when certain guys do not talk to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they don't all get together and start talking to each other. And it's not because I'm trying to screw anybody, but it's just, you're running in all these different directions. It makes my life harder. Sometimes it's for the best. Sometimes good things can come out of it. But if you're leading a country, is it good? If everyone gets together and like we were talking about, like you said, this whole spectrum of reality that isn't team A or team B, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is it good for you if we realize there's more than A or B and we start communicating and, and well, that's not good for the powers and the powers evolving our ideas together to the point where we start realizing, you know what, we could drive our own policies because we're the ones who vote. Why right. doesn't that happen? Right. Though? We like we really it's a complex have question. the most power and like to what you were saying i think like you we aren't responsible for how we feel our feelings like you can't can't help how you feel right you can't help how you Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. you can control how you act yep and i think through a lot of this people have lost tact and respect and that has been the big problem and like you said i think you know, for some of the people that have some of these conspiracy theories, and I totally believe question everything, everything. Yeah. question <laughs> everything. But does that necessarily mean you're going to arrive at a better answer than we've already been given? Especially not in the all first the ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you question it, right? Not all the time. <laughs> and I think it is harder for some people to hear that maybe they're not as special as they think they are <laughs> like yeah. maybe you're point. not as in maybe you're not so important you need to be microchipped or in you know what i mean <laughs> like maybe they're not actually listening to you because that you don't count as for like you know 10 people you're just right. really one right. Right. Really i, I think some i think that is the harder thing for some people to hear instead of thinking like yeah so i think that is why some people get like a little defiant because they feel like getting defiant is it's a feeling Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. them feeling like, oh, I'm smart. I figured this out. Mm-hmm. I figured it out. Well, and I think everyone kind of wants to see behind the curtain in a way. And like, it's funny because yeah. we're talking about like, Oz, you know, not I wanting that. Oz. But I think that there's like, you know, that kind of instinct that you like. You, like you said, you either want to be the person that figures out what's going on. You want to be the person that provides the information. Enlightened. Yeah, you yes. know what I mean. And like that's and there's a lot of like draw to that too. And I think that's where. You know, a lot of these, like, supposed, like, C-team conspiracy theorists, like, kind of, like, get a little lost in the weeds is because it, it does start to feel really good to think that even if things, you know, even if it could mean that literally your entire reality has, like, you know, no meaning whatsoever and that, you know, everything you've been told is a lie. Where's your that before? but it's there's something to that that's like you know sometimes better than the narrative that we're given on a day-to-day basis when you know that that really like i'm sorry like i don't trust the i I don't trust the news not just because i think that there is like some crazy thing happening 
behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but because I do believe that everybody that's providing me with the news has an agenda mm-hmm. and that like their interests are better served if I leave watching that piece with but there can't an opinion. Be. There can't, it's, not, it's not news. There weren't right. news but, to but me in my it. interpretation of it is, is, is Every, unbiased of a explanation of what events. Yes, but, but they're still purveyors. Like, yeah. The news isn't free. I mean, exactly. it never was. A newspaper always cost what? A nickel? Yeah. 25 cents, 35 cents. They were always selling you something, right? Part of what happened PBS? We, yeah, that's true. McLill? Yeah, but they had donors, right? Yeah. They still had, they had their donors. And they, they had everyone, that little, like, telethon yeah. once everyone a year. Everyone has some sort of board of directors that they're trying to please somewhere, even if it's just in your own head. <laughs> <laughs> but true that. they're selling something. They always were. Now, yeah. people, it seems, used to buy news to get informed. Right. Right. I'm not going to say that's not why they buy it, but there are journalists who are quitting and they're saying straight up it's because, look, I've been told not to report on certain news oh, stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we are told to sensationalize it's not the journalism news. Like, anymore. Clickbait right. is what we do. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't elicit a strong reaction and gets you to click on it and suck you in, they're not interested in it. And, and journalists are quitting and citing this as a reason because now we have shorter attention spans. You know, we no. do have everything at our fingertips, and we do we do need kind of that instant gratification. Yeah. If they just reported um, very, if it was just very middle ground, I mean, maybe we'd all be bored and we wouldn't watch it. Plus, it's got to grab you right away right. in the age of clickbait. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, as much as yes, shame on them for not doing their jobs. They're, you know, they're still private entities and they're selling well, something. And that's and the problem is we're buying it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the problem. And, that, and that's and that's the slippery slope that we're gonna, we have with social media now and, and their ability to silence <coughs> or censor any of their users based upon their perception of safety. I mean, it's a really slippery slope. I mean, we talk so much about uh, what the hell's wrong, with society. <laughs> we're good at that, aren't we? Mm. What do you think, if anything, can be done? Or what kind of movement would you like to see? Even a seismic change in society that you think would help heal or help wake people up to this simplistic way of judging people, labeling people, and acting out on impulse and acting out on, on uh, I don't know, uh, sound bites. And just wake people up to realize, look, this is not a good way to live. We need to have a seismic change. Is it possible? Is it possible? Are we too far down the road we're headed with social media and polarization and anger and and depression and discontentment and entitlement and laziness and all that stuff? Can anything be done? Are we headed toward a dystopian future? We could be. Some people would say we are always headed that way. It's funny if you look at the uh, the literature from like the f- 30s and 40s and 50s. I want to take like and make like a timeline. Someone was uh, someone was yeah, talking about how there's one. like there's all a, those future. There's a timeline like as far as like all the sci-fi movies where we're at. Like we're right at RoboCop and headed into Mad Max. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> where the sci-fi movies took place. We're past where Blade Runner was. It was my. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister. The outfits were yeah. so cool, though. Yeah, but I want to create a timeline as far as where we're at. Like, okay, we've already passed. Uh, we've already passed. No, 1984. I mean, yes, timeline-wise, but yeah. like where we're at society-wise, we're we're already like past Atlas Shrugged <laughs> with the with the collab, the economic collapse and stuff. Um, we're headed right into 1984. 
And then we're probably about like maybe 75 years before uh, Brave New World. I was going to say, I think we're getting closer to Brave New World because, like, if they're not going to let us actually travel anymore, the next thing is going to be, you know, hey, do you want to take yeah. this, this pill for a vacation? But the technology, <laughs> the technology in Brave New World is... Yeah, you're right. Wait, when world. you say... Help me out here. When Brave say, New World was where they, like... Aldous Huxley? Aldous Huxley yeah. wrote it, and they basically genetically engineered everybody. Like, you were a separate class in society. Alpha, I remember beta. one Yeah, alpha, beta. The one thing I remember was... That, was, was there a movie made of that? Maybe. I had to read an English class. It was more we about... We went to the same school, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, there there might have been. Um, but they would genetically engineer different... And you were part of this class. You were genetically engineered to be a part of this class. Mm-hmm. Like airplane mechanics, they would mess with your inner ear so you were only truly happy when you were upside down. Mm-hmm. And they just geared you toward... They, they genetically geared you towards whatever class and society that you were going to be a part of. Right on. And, like, alphas and betas could still mix a little bit, but there was, like, still... You know, like, there was definitely, like, a differential, um, but they were, like, allowed to mix anything. What were they, like... What were the rest of them? I don't remember <sighs> that much. I read it a while ago. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were based all mostly on, like, Greek alphabet. I feel like that was, like, what I they were right. using for all the del- deltas... Yeah. Um, but there were like, once you got past beta, like they were like not allowed to mix with those two at all. Like okay. you weren't, it, like, weren't allowed to yeah, be friends, you had, like, a weren't allowed class. to like, yeah. yeah. But uh, some people would say we've always been headed towards that future. And I think for the longest time I was like, you know, it's going to come down to this revolution. And that's where a lot of people are at, whether you're on the right or the left, you think there needs to be a revolution. Whether you believe it's like social justice revolution and we're going to rise up against, you know, our capitalist oppressors and all this, these mega rich corporate, you know, scum. Or whether you're like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be the uh, the, the, the new uh, patriot revolution where we're going to rise up against all these like, you know, oppressive dictator type far left communists. Um but you got both sides of the extremes that we talked about, both looking towards this revolution when our side's going to win, our team's going to win. And I was probably uh, recently more of a Team C revolution person. You know what I mean? We're all going to escape from the simulation and we're going <laughs> to do something crazy that wakes everybody up and escape smashes. Escape to where is the question. Well, and I, I to think... Here. <laughs> whatever, right here in this room. What, to now. Whatever revolution is going to help the average person, I think it's not going to be, like you said, I don't think it's going to be sexy. And it's going to be man-made? I think? don't think it's going to be sexy. It's not going to be this huge, like, you know, this guru came along and showed us the way, or this party came along and finally got oh, everybody's shit together. You know what I mean? Oh, the, the Bible thumpers will love that <laughs> when the one guy comes to unify everybody. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be like that. I, I think it needs to be... Like discovering, rediscovering that we have a place in this world and that we don't need a thousand followers to validate it mm-hmm. and we don't need a political party to endorse it and we don't need a bunch of investors to throw money behind it. It's basically rediscovering that we have a place in this world. It's rediscovering the cheesy answer, it's rediscovering ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little too new agey. I think it's rediscovering each other and rediscovering that we can have real conversations like these and that we can guide our lives in any way that we want to. What about what's the value of, of an individual? Like, 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 does friendship have a value? Does your interaction with someone at work, is there a value there? 
meaning that we got to separate value from currency. But it, like the value, I mean, yeah, you, you ask the definition of value, most people can't even tell you. Meaning that, how do we equate goodness or enrichment from interaction with people? Because right now, it, there's, it's strictly currency. It's strictly money. It's strictly what is in it for me. This sounds really existential, but I think it really comes down to whether you believe your life has or can have an actual meaning. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back. But a meaning to who, though? That's uh, to you. That, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Who cares if my life means something to somebody else? And I think for me, like you know, you were saying, well, what's it going to take to wake people up? I mean, the bottom line is who cares if your life, aside from making sacrifices to provide for others so that mm-hmm. they have a better life than you have. You know what I mean? Like we all get up and go to work and a lot of people have families. Yes, there's absolutely value in working hard to provide for others. But I think whether your life has meaning to you is important and not just some kind of manufactured meaning that we come up with based on some ideals that were impressed upon us when we were young by our parents and others who helped shape and form us as human beings and as individuals like do you have a meaning in this world does your life have a meaning in this world and if not why are you still alive why are you still here i'm not suggesting that anybody out there check out but we're all so jaded, you know what I mean? We're really jaded, and it really just comes down to I got to find a comfortable place where I'm not going to be like stuck in anxiety and depression or just wasting away. I need to find something to do with my time so that I'm not driving myself insane. I got to be as comfortable as I can be and find some kind of identity that I can live like a, with. Like, per, like, do you separate the definitions of me, ha- having meaning and purpose, or are they synonymous? I think in some ways there's some anonymous, but I mean, what is the purpose of your life? Like my purpose is to get up and go to work and pursue the things that give my life meaning and blah, blah, blah. But really like I could find meaning just in a conversation or an interaction with somebody. And I think, I think the main thing that is tearing us down right now is that we're afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. We're afraid, like Cassie was saying, we're afraid to admit we're wrong. We're afraid to be vulnerable around other people. We are afraid of basic human interaction. We're afraid of humility. That, Self-humility. I think a lot of people, too, are afraid of being... They want to be heard. They don't want to be censored. But I think until we learn to have like accountability, patience, tact, all those things with ourselves, we're not going to have it with... And with each other. We're not going to have it with each other. And... I think everybody thinks that we're trying to like shut them down like don't tell me how you feel don't tell me how you and it's not that I think it just um, I think we all have outlets and I think if we could have a lot of understanding in each other we could get our point across a lot better as well as in ourselves trying to make sure that we are putting forth the effort to understand other people. But like I said, that's going to take a lot of, I mean, people have lost their patience with other people. No They've doubt. lost their, yep. yeah, you know, we all want to be understood and we all want to hold other people accountable, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, what's the saying that we, we make rules for other people and we make exceptions for ourselves. Mm, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. That's definitely true. Why is why is it so important that we find somebody to blame for everything? 
why does it always have to be so Accountability is hard. Yeah, it feels That's hard really to tell bad yourself. whenever it's yeah. like you're, something's your fault. Like, cause I know, like, sometimes, sometimes things are my fault and I hate it. That's humility, though. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, the, the humility <laughs> thing. Because like, it, it sucks so bad. Because even, like, all of our conversations are, like, script not scripted but they're all like it's a, that, that um edward stone thing with the permanent document like yeah. literally like every interaction not every interaction but so many of the interactions that we have now are documented because they're happening on social media and so then there's this like mm. weight that's carried with like you can have like a misspeak in a conversation and it's just like you know maybe you you know say the wrong fact or like you know you forget the name of something or like you just stick yeah. your foot in your mouth Unless in any someone way have their cell phone on they yeah. can't take it and then show it to thousands and thousands yes. of people and that happens on social it media. happens all the time and mm-hmm. that's how people are getting canceled and so everyone's like living in fear of like number one like being wrong basically can't being perceived fear. as wrong can't live in fear. um and then you know there's a difference between like censoring yourself to not want to offend people but then also that's just, called being polite it is, it, but then there, there's like a point where so much of our, and this is where I think, you know, you can look at this however you want, but I mean, even look at like, you know, the four of us had to schedule a time to sit down and have a podcast together that's obviously documented. Um, mm-hmm. And this is like something that I think is important because you asked like, how do things change? And I do think like the long form conversation podcasts, you know, because it's like a thing that people can kind of, like if I didn't have podcasts to listen to at work, I would go insane. Because I'm so used to, like, having jobs that, like, I can have conversations while I'm having my job happen. And I transitioned into a job where I have to do, you know, documentation and all that kind of stuff where, like, I can't just be talking all day long. Um, But I miss that, like, social aspect of, like, my previous jobs. So it's, like, it kind of fulfills that void. And I think a lot of people, especially in the tech age are in that situation where they feel isolated so many people now are especially working from home right. um so this kind of like interaction is important but at the same time like so much of our interactions happen online you know virtually right. whatever so it's like you don't really have the ability to just be spontaneous and just be yourself. Yeah, and that's so why you hit on something really important. You yep. said so many of our interactions are scripted, and that's yes. kind of what I was alluding to when I said we're afraid of basic human interaction. Right. You know, we're afraid to get out and so- outside of the box, almost afraid to open our mouths and then not know what's going to come out next. I have to run it by my head and. Trust me, that is smart to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. yeah. but, as often as you can. <laughs> but yeah, we're just having a conversation, and I'm just expressing myself, and I'm not all fired up, and I don't have to. Well, right. I'm emotional. I want to be careful about what I say. You sure. know, just putting myself out there and being like, "Well, does this violate my identity? Does mm-hmm. this violate who I identify with? Does this make me appear in a way that I don't want to be seen?" Boom. That's the problem. Is that we give too much credence to what other people think about us when in reality oftentimes no one's fucking paying attention yeah sure i mean are you that important yeah yeah that's yeah and we're so like especially people who deal with anxiety and, and social anxiety you're, you're worried oh i did this one little thing wrong and everyone's on it's like yeah okay in fourth grade yeah we were all looking to find one person who had the weird looking <laughs> shirts we could just roast the shit out of you and people are mean like people still deal with bullying bullying in the workplace sure. and cyberbullying. like people can be dicks that's very true but like up in the headspace where it's like i'm gonna do one little thing wrong and everybody's gonna see it 
most times people aren't paying that close of attention. And that's kind of where I come back to as far as like, does your life mean something to you? All these people, this imaginary committee in my head that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it. All these people I'm trying to please, they're not looking nearly as hard as I think they are. Mm -hmm. And so if I can step outside of my own box and if I'm... If I have, if I'm brave enough where I can show somebody else a little bit more of myself that I'm really comfortable with, right. it could lead to a totally unexpected conversation. could just lead to a nice interaction between me and a person where we were being real with each other instead of following the script that I think you kind of mm -hmm. made reference to. Right. And it might lead to something totally different. It could lead me down. A, and that's, I think what we've lost is that Anything that, and it's a frightening thought, is that anything in your life could lead to something totally new and unexpected, sure. and it could lead your life in a totally different direction Are than what you thought it was going to be. Oh, it's terrifying. You should be. No, that's something <laughs> you should be afraid of. Change is frightening. It is. Yeah. I mean, it frightens me. No, that, and it is because you you might be afraid of what happens next. You might be comfortable where you're at, but to not know what's going to happen next. Like there's that one uh, Nine Inch Nails song. Every day is exactly the mm -hmm. same. Yeah. I repeat the same thing over and over again, and so I can see the future. Mm -hmm. I can see into the future. I know what's going to happen because I don't change my routine. I act the same. I talk the same. I get in the same conversations with people. I, es I espouse the same sort of opinions. I don't have to question myself. I don't end up in a situation where I'm not sure, like Cassie was saying, whether I'm right or wrong. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the beauty of it is that this life that maybe you're comfortable, maybe you're happy, maybe you're not, but you can end up in a totally different spot in your life and it doesn't necessarily mean physically you could just wake up after taking certain steps in your life and really be at least a lot closer in the kind of life that you used to dream about isn't that exciting though to me it like is. the change mm -hmm. the, the idea of concept of change as a human is amazing yeah I mean, right. like that that's it is scary though but oh, yeah. well <laughs> It I, is. I guess. Maybe I'm just wired weird, but I think the diversity of life and the unknowing, um, I mean, I would, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't, wait, 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 if I'm going to be sick next week, badly sick, I'm going to get some kind of disease, I don't want to know about it right now. Sure. I'm I feel the same. I want to know that. Yeah. But, yeah. I would never want to know when I'm going to die. But, okay. no, I wouldn't <laughs> either. No, but I, but, yeah. but the randomness of life, all that stuff, that, that's the juice of life. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to um, I could never sit in a cube all day. I just couldn't do it. I, it, it drove me insane. You know why this doesn't surprise me about you? Stuff. It's because you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't Seriously, know. Seriously, though. I guess. No, to be an entrepreneur, that is frightening. To take mm -hmm. your financial future in your hands and just say, I'm going to go off the beaten and path and I'm going to work for myself. I, I will tell you, man. It's frightening. I probably should have had more. Maybe, maybe I should have had fear when I didn't have it, but I just am <laughs> not wired that way. Yeah. But to back to your point about conversations is that's the richness of life to mm -hmm. me and I agree. i'm not sure that you know text messages or listening to a voicemail or no, a one-way right. conversation like a tv program I, that's not communication that's you've not got, even communication this, I, this yeah you've got this, way too much time to think about what you want to say in a text message and yeah. erase it seven times this, not though. just that but like i per like because there are friends that i just can't see as much as i would like to especially now like kelly uh, texted me today to make a phone date with me because I usually will call her usually every like week or so just because right. I don't see her as often as I would right. like to and she's someone that like is important to me and like I know and 
I try to do that. Like if I know that I'm not going to, you know, it's a different timetable with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially now with like, I used to have, you know, we all kind of like had a group of friends that we knew we were going to see like usually like once or twice a month because we were all going to the same shows. And now, I mean, obviously that's not happening. So it's like, I have kind of like a schedule of people that I want to keep up with. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't keep it like, you know, super you know organized but i do pay attention to whether or not i'm you're putting in the effort yeah because i do i know that texting with people like yeah it's like it's nice to check in and with a text message but that's not the same as talking to somebody it's just zoom is not good no i'm sorry it's just not and the reason i say that i'm not saying it doesn't have a place right now we have to use it i guess because of whatever the circumstances society has i guess we have to use it now but that's not a positive thing. I don't think texting is a positive thing whatsoever. I am old school in that if we are not really communicating with each other, I mean, people don't want to do this. I've asked people to be on this podcast who would be fascinating people if, in my headspace. They're, some of them, three of them now, have actually told me they're not comfortable talking to people for more than five or ten minutes face-to-face. Not because of the pandemic. This is before the pandemic. <laughs> they're just not in the conversations because they've gotten so used to their workflow and they're really about the messaging life. It, it's better for them. They've actually that's said so that weird. to me. Now that's yeah. the most bizarre thing I can understand. I've ever heard. I can understand. They're not. Yeah. They're not comfortable sitting down having a conversation. No, no but especially I'm when a you big said texter. Are you? Yeah. Well, I'm I think we all do it. No, but it's functional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can no, see no, getting I, into I, that. I, no, no. I think you have to, and in my career, I have to do it. And I see, like, it's good to get a quick message to someone. I see the pragmatic use of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think, though, that is pushing society forward. I think that no, is pulling us apart. Well, it's part of what's pulling us apart. And the one thing we didn't even touch base on is two yeah. people. We were in our. Uh, we were in our. No, it wasn't our honeymoon. It was when we were in Europe. It was when we were in mm-hmm. Europe. We and were in Rome. Like the All most right, romantic have, place I in the world. I have to swear. We were in fucking Rome. <laughs> we were in fucking Rome. Like Rome. There's pictures of it and shit. A lot of people don't ever get to see <laughs> it. In textbooks. There was a, I saw it in school. Dude, there, exactly. was, there was a young couple and we uh-huh. went to this. It was like, I think we went to the Jewish section yeah. and we found a really good restaurant. I mean, every restaurant in Rome is yeah, freaking right. amazing. amazing. But we, we specifically sought out the Jewish section. Mm-hmm. So uh, we heard the food was really good there. We wanted to go to one of these restaurants and... Um, we look over, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and there's this young couple, early 20s, you yeah. know? And neither of them were Italian, you could tell, because they didn't look Italian at all. Like, you know what I mean? So they had to have been there the from, from somewhere else. Oh, yeah, you could tell they weren't yeah. local. Yeah. They're sit the entire time. Yeah. Like, we're in Rome, and this restaurant, like, we're taking in the ambient. Like, I'm just, like, yeah. I'm just enjoying the experience. Like, we saved yeah. for two years to come here, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe y'all just got it like that, and you could just decide to come to Rome and miss Fuck it on, off your, on phone, your phones. But but <laughs> I waited two years to come here. I'm pretty impressed. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what you were expecting, but this is what I came here for. Great food, like, history and culture, and just... Uh, just and the it texture of everything. It wasn't just, just like they were on their phones. For, it was the... Like the whole we time. both noticed it after a while. We we're like, "Are you getting low to them over there?" Like, <laughs> they're just sitting there the entire like. I and this might was do like 2011 too. So I mean, like, they this prob- is before they probably had Facebook. I mean, because I, I remember I didn't have a smartphone yet, and it's not that I didn't like 
I just didn't have one because I was like the way my job worked out is I had like the laptop at home and he, I think you might have had your very first smartphone at that time or something. But they call that T9 texting, right? <laughs> but literally like, it's like, so, I mean, even like, I don't even think Instagram was a thing yet. They were younger. I remember they I were, know they were younger. They were so I mean, they were, they were probably on Facebook. They were probably just on the web or whatever. But like literally like the whole time staring at their phone and I'm like, oh my God, like. It's everywhere. Oh, it was just so aggravating. Yeah, and you do see it everywhere. And I mean, that's an exaggerated example of the fact that hey i spend a lot of time on my phone i spend time on my phone for work and you know I, sometimes i like to play games on my phone sometimes i will literally i'm guilty of just mindlessly are we present scrolling facebook but yeah that's that's a big part of it is that i think more and more people are living what they think of as their lives in a digital space rather than here yeah yeah Oh, I, I love Facebook and social media. I love it. I love seeing other people enjoy their lives. Sure. Yes. Knowing that yeah. a lot of it probably is made up. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's a great way to, like, like to stay really stay current with everybody that's sure. important to you. But yeah. is that your life on there? But it, this is not... The, the, the fact that... The fact that podcasting is a thing in society, you know, it, that shows us that we're doing it wrong. People were thirsting for real conversation and yep. we're not giving it to them on a day-in, day-out basis. Something's not right. I think they're but, afraid. People are afraid to open up to one another. But what about, we had talk shows for a long time, remember? But were they real? Was that real? I don't know. Mm. It was. I it don't wasn't, know. It wasn't the long-form conversation that I think this well, yeah. podcast show. <laughs> you know, like the Rogan show. Yeah. I mean, shows that are basically the, like it's unscripted. Not, yeah. Well, that's a big thing that uh, they talk about. You know, with like how he grew so quickly in popularity was because like people were so used to the formula of like a scripted oh, show. Oh yeah, that's what and attracted podcasts me. Podcasts were like you know kind of these weird things. That people even some podcasts were still at that point very scripted. Oh, and he yeah. just kind of went on and like some store. A lot of them, yeah, they're like an interview form, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, but if, but if it's no. but if it's generally back and forth, yeah. it, it, it just it's not. Rogan to me was attractive because there was really like a realness there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the bad language or it wasn't the, the crazy topic. Sometimes it was random stuff, but I mean, it's very it authentic. Just, yeah. Oh my mm -hmm. god, yeah. Like I'd never seen in broadcasting in my entire entire life nothing was ever that raw and real that wasn't really offensive there i mean i don't find his show offensive like mm -hmm. there you could go to like to watch two comedians go at it you know off color stuff but this is like something you really could yeah, spend the afternoon not, checking it out it's not howard stark mm -mm. exactly right exactly that was my point i think it's yeah. real although howard's become a great interviewer in his day He's no one of the greatest i interviewers the, I've back ever in seen. the day like the shock jockey type and that was I'm a lot of script, say that's a lot of scripted shit there too sure that's what i know? mean it's not offensive in the way that, like this is extreme and i'm saying it to shock exactly you. right it's mm -hmm. just a real conversation and you really get a look inside someone's head without them trying Trying to dress it up All right. mm -hmm. and I think that's what's lost in real conversation is yep. like especially with social media I mean you're seeing you're not seeing someone's real life <laughs> no you're seeing yeah. snippets from it but it's yeah. it's so much of people trying to present like oh look at me I went to this cool club and it's like you even with like protests some people are going to protests there's oh, yeah. video of them literally getting out the like car, taking a Instagram picture. influencers getting out putting the mask on and holding up a sign and literally the video shows them just getting right back in the car and they're posting that on their I'm just like I know I can be critical sometimes I can get negative but I'm like you are the lowest form of yeah. life that there is <laughs> and that's another extreme example of what we're seeing which is just like 
I need to project this. And with, it was always a thing to a point where you want to idealize yourself for other people, you know. But like, well, you always want to put your best face forward, sure, right? When you're in yeah. industry, that you know that that really is made off of people putting but their best face. This is projecting forward. a false image, and That's now a, it's, a false narrative it's of them. Increasing, it's increasingly a digital image, right. you know. Yeah, I think another thing is too, though, we've adopted this culture where we aren't. Always, I think because we aren't happy with ourselves, we're not happy with the things we see on there, and then we become critical of it. Um, Haters. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I think I've talked to two beautiful friends of mine that any, I mean, not I would be biased because they're friends of mine, but I think anybody walking down the street would think they're beautiful girls. And they both told me, like, it's hard for me to get on social media because it just makes me feel bad. I see these pretty girls. See, that's sad to me. And I'm like, I, yeah. And it, it, I don't know if it, uh, I don't know what the answer is there. I think a lot of the time, I, if I get on social media and I see a beautiful girl, I think that's great. I have a lot of joy for somebody who's posting things that are happy or good thing I mean we're not always the real realistic life ever that everybody's living is we're not always going to be having a good day somebody else mm -hmm. might though mm -hmm. and I mean if they're posting something that is um, maybe just exaggerated or you know maybe not completely true that's on them yeah. but if I'm seeing it I'm going to try to like find happiness for them instead of right kind of like yeah. i mean i'm not criticizing what because i see what you mean there's things that i see them like are you kidding me <laughs> like you know what i mean like you posted this but i mean as far as like i don't think i've ever like really gotten on on instagram or something like that and saw a beautiful girl and it made me feel worse about myself i'm happy for her if she feels like yeah. posting that good for but you there's a lot of yeah. that yeah, going she's on feeling there, herself. Yeah. yeah like well, that's, post i do it. think that's like kind of like the negative trap that women fall into is it's either it's like these two extremes and it, it's very difficult a lot of women do not find inspiration inspiration in each other and that it's sad because yeah. i agree with you like whenever i see like especially like I understand like I'm I'm almost 40 like you know what I mean like I'm not like the Instagram generation really but I love like following Instagram models I really yeah. do because I think like what they're doing is just like they're kind of like freeze framing their life in a certain way and like a lot of times mm -hmm. they caption it really well like you yeah know, and I get that yeah. they're using filters and that they a lot of them have yeah use a, use a filter <laughs> if like, you yeah, want to it. I feel like it is I <laughs> it feel like good. instead of us looking like oh it's so fake it's just a different type of it's art. art right? Yes, it's exactly. Art. It's always it's, been that way. Like magazines have always been that way. Oh, yeah. And right. that's part of where like yeah. I feel it's like art. You, you just need to kind of have a little bit of perspective and be like, okay, this isn't necessarily the reality that I'm aiming for, but it's just <laughs> it's just eye candy. You know what I mean? But like I think I want to pull focus for just a moment and say I think you're both emotionally healthy women. Um and just like you said, the old magazines with the airbrush and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's always been that well, way. Well, I know it. I, and I get and you're that. aware of that. Well, that's what I mean is now that we have uh, young people growing up where they're seeing not more, just their they're friends, seeing yeah. life through that lens. Like we get that this is not someone's real life. It's mm -hmm. almost like just the best parts of their life. But people who live more and more of their lives on social media, especially growing up, at it, like you were saying, hey, this wasn't the Internet. I'm thinking we were the last generation to remember when there was no Internet. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like 
young people who are, are being raised in a culture where they're seeing this not real life and that's more and more what they're experiencing of life. You're right. You know what I mean? Like the one thing that they're becoming more self-critical. I think they're just, I don't let they're like, I don't live up to this. Everybody's living these great lives and I'm depressed. I like so many people have anxiety. I, Mm -hmm. I know I keep coming back to the mental health thing, but like, I cannot overlook the fact that so many people are just messed up and unhappy. And I There's think no it's yeah, really it's playing no into the general state of things. Like the one thing when we were talking about this that occurred to me was I learned a while back in countries where there's no television, there are no eating disorders. Right. They don't know what that is. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. They do not have them there. Yeah. I don't know if that's like someone will come on and be like, that's actually not correct. In, <laughs> There's got to be one. Out I remember there. reading this. I no, researched I it. About yeah, that, yeah. And in countries where there are not, where they don't have television, they don't have anything to do. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and it makes perfect it, sense though. if you think about it because, like, it's the type of psychological disorder that would be manufactured by. Like a visual standard, almost. and holding yeah. yourself you know up I mean? to an impossible standard, basically. It, and that's right. honestly the unfair part of it. Being like, I think you're right. Like a young person kind of coming up, and and I feel like you know we focus a lot on women, but like I think that men experience it just in a different way. You know what I yeah. mean? But it's just that like it gets expressed a lot with women, especially because like we are held to a standard of like you know health and beauty and all that kind of stuff and and it's it's kind of the thing that's bothering me and this was actually brought up on a podcast recently is that like Cosmo recently I guess did a cover that had like an obese woman on it and was like this is healthy too and it's like well actually that's not healthy Um, and that's the problem is that we're so focused now on like trying to create a balanced discussion in body positivity that it's like there becomes a point that it's like yeah everyone has different genetics and everyone's body is going to kind of like evolve in a certain way but there is a point where it's not actually healthy you know what i mean yeah so what are we promoting exactly and it's and that's where i feel like we've created a really weird discussion now because you don't want yeah you don't want girls to have eating disorders because that was a huge problem for Uh, a really long time and i feel like it's gotten a little bit better but now it's like we're giving people the lifetime movies oh god (laughs) (laughs) just like (laughs) the puke in jars Uh, in the closet i had a flashback to that exactly we're talking about the same lifetime movie i know that was the flashback i I had. Oh yeah, that was bad. <laughs> but it's like you know, then you've got the other end of the spectrum where Let it's these like poor girls eat. <laughs> now it's like we're just telling everyone like, oh, you know, everything's healthy and everything's beautiful, and it's like, eh, you know, like you do have to, you can't yeah. just, you can't. It's not just a free for all. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Well, know, it's the like, same like Jer said moderation. with like mental health. I think a lot of the time um, on social media, if if we're not using it correctly or if we're not looking at things a certain way it's really easy to to even fall into that trap and i know like i personally am pretty guilty of that like i'm a very sad clown like when i'm at my worst (laughs) i'm i'm my funniest so i might post something funny and it's just a way to to cope is it the healthiest way to cope maybe not but like you said there are so many memes that that go along with that Mm -hmm. and i think there there's a lot of that out there but i think if we're more intentional with how we use it or look at things and and you did have a good point we are like kind of the last generation we remember like not having the internet and i remember when we got the internet i was fucking excited yeah i I got america online and that thing was dying up (laughs) it was like dial up right it's It's coming and we had chat chat rooms and (laughs) all that stuff yeah and we didn't have 
you know, like what we there there is a lot available to these kids. It right was now. a special thing. The internet was mm-hmm. a special thing back yeah. then. Yeah. It was part of life where Yep. Yeah. It's crazy to think that when I was young and I had a weird question that no one had an answer for, I would yep. really I'd actually go to the library. You know, and see if there's an answer. And sometimes there wasn't an answer there. They're the talking about yeah. how Google's making people not dumber but less knowledgeable inquisitive mm-hmm. less knowledgeable because now you don't need to know shit you don't they don't retain don't really the information yeah you remember you always had that and... one friend who always knew just like ask so and so so and so knows shit like this like about maybe right. presidents or right. cars or this they or just that, got interested know? in something and purposely yes. learned about it yes yeah. and yeah. they became yeah. knowledgeable in mm-hmm. it because you didn't have access i believe it but now fingertips. you have everything no matter and it's and it's like I, I sit and say, wow! I laid in my bedroom up on Ridge Avenue at, 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 at ten years old and wondered about like, like a you know like the uh, the space program, you know, did, did we really land on the moon or what year was that? You, no one knew. Your mind would just go, <laughs> yeah. Well, you think it happened because you saw it on TV, but did it really happen? And just like now, any idea you have, someone else has probably done it. You can find it or. A question about the world. The answer is at your fingertips. Nothing challenges your thinking, your brain anymore. Like just like, and I know I'm talking as an older person. I'm just saying it's so different today. The world is at your fingertips. Literally, everything is right there. Right. I'm I'm very guilty of it. I don't, I feel like I don't have to remember anything or retain anything because I can just look it back up <laughs> I saw this on my meme. phone. I saw this yeah. meme. It was like, you have a supercomputer in your pocket and you, <laughs> and you use it to shit post and watch porn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've seen that too. That's wrong. Like, yeah. It's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we have something in our pockets that we can access. Anything. Most Which, of the information available to humanity, you know. Ever. Yeah. Remember ever. Encyclopedia Britannica? Hey, I still have it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a set. Oh, God. You know so annoying. <laughs> And uh, now, like they like really like force you to like cite your web sources, and like <laughs> I get that, but it's just like, oh man. Like, but that's what I mean. I don't think we're valuing knowledge and information. Do you read the way we used to? I don't read as much as I do. We were actually talking about this. Mm-hmm. I listen to audiobooks in the car, okay. but I I love to read personally. I don't yeah. make as much time for it as okay. I like to. I work a lot. Do you read? Yeah, and that's what we were like. We were books s- and publications and things. Yeah, I'm not as much into. I told them I can't. I, I have a hard time getting into fiction because yeah. I can't like yeah. get into that. But I said the same thing. I'll read mm-hmm. something and I don't retain it because I okay. just. I, I I was just saying, I think I realized I'm like more of an audio learner because I do read fiction some, but every, we're watching the new stand right now, the, mm-hmm. the, the new series. I've read the book. I've never, rem- like he's always remembering like different characters and their interactions. I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember, but I do still read some okay. fic- nonfiction. Yeah, and I buy, um, I buy a lot of nonfiction books. I don't read all of them. I just like. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, just like. I, just like to look smart when you come read. into our house. I know we have a lot of books that neither of us have read. <laughs> we have but, a lot, but I, I start them. You know what I mean? And I've and I've like, if it's nonfiction, I don't necessarily read it start to finish, but I do like play around in it yeah. you know what i mean and if it's fiction i've i will still read fiction i'm reading but i, I mean i'm reading a book that's about this thick right now and it's i've been reading it for probably like two months because i don't pick it up a ton you know what i mean like i just do it like every like every now and then i read a few pages and it makes me happy and like i kind of like enjoy the story 
I remember when the internet started, there was school administrators and teachers that were so happy. This is going to encourage people to read. They're going to get all this information, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to encourage them to interact and read. And it just killed books. People aren't reading. They're reading sound bites, like written paragraphs, or, you know, they're reading the Drudge Report, or they're reading, you know, things that interest them. That's it. But they're not really picking up a periodical or a work of art or work of literature and reading. You it's know, a weird, weird life. I've been, uh, I've been really bad about too lately. Like last few years, I'll pick up like books that I've already read and reread that. Like mm-hmm. I just reread Fight Club that I've read like ten yeah. times already, but Nothing I just like wanted that. to read it again. Yeah. Nothing wrong so, with that. I just I have, like, I don't have, that, have. I have books like that too. They're just like yeah. from familiar friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Jeff, fun. Of course. Always. Mm. I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the story continues. Same bad time, same bad chill. Uh. I want to thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank you for having Please me. Please come back and yeah. we'll do this again. This is fun. Yeah. I love this room. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Can I just say that? It's yeah, very inspiring. Awesome. I love being in this that. room. It inspires good conversation. Mm-hmm. Got my fake shit pipe up there. My fake water pipes up there. <laughs> that's better than a real shit pipe being up yeah, above right? your head. Yeah. It's only really leaks, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a fake one. I like that. I never would have known it was fake if you had pointed Yeah, I know. It's funny because it's funny there's a toilet flanges that are holding against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But thank you. I appreciate it. No, thank you for being space. here. And uh, we're going to do this again. Yeah. Let's like do this again. All right? Thanks, Eric. Thank Friends, you. Oh, you're welcome. We are out. Peace. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project.